This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. everybody to wrestling omakase it is episode number 192 uh this is the first of our two wrestle kingdom 15 uh live reaction shows as well so for the omakase patrons they got to listen to this live if they want so wanted uh you know at 7 a.m on a on a monday so you know all of you who did tune in thank you very much uh no actually the, the number counter is going up now so thank you for jumping on here um of the patrons also got access to it for uh you know the rest of the week early before it went up for the free feed so if you want to catch you know future live events like this uh and lots of other great content too uh is patreon.com slash wrestling omakase uh not going to be labor to plug though because the people listening live already uh are patrons obviously uh but yeah we're here to talk about wrestle kingdom 15 night one which i thought was a really good show i mean honestly about as good as they could have done under, under the circumstances, I thought. I mean, you know, everything that needed to land landed really strongly. I thought, um, you know, the the atmosphere really was not as bad as I was expecting at all. But we'll get into all of that once I introduce my guests here, because we have a whole a full panel here. Uh, first of all, we have uh, the man plugged today on the show, of course, Mr. Chris Samsa. Hi, Chris. Oh, hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, how are you doing today? Very tired. Oh, I'm good. Oh, not that, not that tired. Just a little bit. I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know. I don't know what tired feels like anymore. <laughs> uh, but guys, thank you for coming on. Uh, also here is also from Voices of Wrestling, John Hernandez. Hi, John. Hey, John. How you doing? <laughs> Pretty good. It was a wild night in the uh, Voices of Wrestling Slack as well on this show. Maybe <laughs> oh, we'll yeah. talk about a lot. I'm of still night. all kinds of fired up from it, but uh, <laughs> I'm coming down. I'm, I'm currently. Uh, I'm hidden away in my terrifying basement uh, where there's nowhere to sit because it's the only place in the house where I won't wake somebody up. So uh, I just wanted to say this fandom for Japanese wrestling is, is horrible. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a horrible thing to get into. I can't believe I'm doing this. Uh, also, I am I'm in the kitchen, which I'm not normally in. So hopefully uh, we don't have any kind of, uh, you know, if there's any disconnects or internet problems, I apologize. I'm usually plugged into my router in my room but i could not do that for this show because of a uh, you know it's 7 a.m my girlfriend's trying to sleep also joel abraham from the super jcast is not on the show but he is in the chat and said hello hi joel 
Uh, anyway, so also here we have Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Hey, John. Hey, what's up? Somebody's echoing, by the way. I think it might be you. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Hi, Jeff. What's up? Uh, not much. Hating whites, per the usual. <laughs> Hating whites. Uh, no, again, a joke that nobody is going to get. But, uh, That's was Jay Whites. It popped, it will pop me and anyone else on the voice for some flack. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff, for coming on. And finally, no uh, also returning, who was on pretty recently, but, uh, not from Voices of Wrestling, but from the Super Jcast Discord. Uh, I guess we can say that's your that's your uh, home base, Mr. Liam yep. McCann. Hi, Liam. Hi, John. How are you doing? Pretty good. Very tired. Uh, yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. You know, trying. I'm gonna try to power through it. You know. Yeah. Uh, what are you gonna do? But we're here to talk about Wrestle Kingdom 15 Night One. Uh, just like last year, I think the best thing to do is start at the top and work our way down. Uh, it just seems like a better idea with. Uh, you know, the we'll probably have more energy at the start here, and I know I'll definitely drop off by the end. So that means we'll start with the main event, where Kota Ibushi defeated Tetsuya Naito uh, in 31-18 to become the uh, new IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Champion. Naito, for the second time, fails in his second defense. Uh, so Ibushi is now the 73rd Heavyweight Champion, the 27th Intercontinental Champion. He uh, beat him with the Kami Goe. Um, I mean, I guess my overall thoughts on this match was it was outstanding. Um, we, we talked, we're going to talk a lot about, I think, the atmosphere and stuff and what, you know, what it did and didn't do, you know, and, and, and you know, I'll try, there's some notes I had during like the match recap that, uh, I really want to hit upon because, uh, you know, there was, there was one moment in particular where they're, I guess I'll just bring it up now. They're like trading these elbows and this crowd is clapping so loud that, you know, the, these claps, like, echo around the dome, and it created an entirely different uh, kind of reaction that, you know, you than you normally had in a, um, you know, in a normal Tokyo Dome. And it was like a, uh, you know, it was like a, a totally different kind of, you know, cr- like crowd noise you would normally get in a dome show. So I thought it was a really cool moment where it's like, yes, obviously this sucks, you know, the whole situation sucks. We'd rather have a full dome of cheering people. But it was really cool to get a, you know, a different kind of moment than you would normally get in a Tokyo Dome. Um, you know, the atmosphere in general, I thought, really kind of held up a lot better than I thought it would. You know, I, I was really scared that the, the crowd would not be able to, you know, make any noise. But they, you know, they, they clapped extremely loud, you know, especially for this match. It felt like they saved their clapping hands up all match long or all night long and really, like, let it fly during this match. And, you know, there were times where they broke the protocol and, you know, even made, you know, like audible reactions uh, that happened in the semi in the semi main as well. But, yeah, I mean, just, you know, the crowd, I thought, was way better than I was expecting. And, you know, these two had an outstanding match and, you know, they really um, delivered a Tokyo Dome worthy main event, uh, you know, in the hard the hardest of circumstances. I mean, it's not my all time favorite match of theirs. There's others that I still slightly prefer. But this was like a four and three quarter star match, like an absolutely outstanding match, and definitely worthy of being a dope main event. Uh, I guess before I get into any specific uh, spots or anything, what did you think of the match overall, Chris? What were your thoughts? Well, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I've. Um, I'm kind of the resident Kota Ibushi fan, I guess one of one of many, I'm sure. But um, to see him finally get the win on night one in Tokyo Dome against Naito, uh, you know, a series that I 
rewatched through um, just yesterday. I watched all all eight of the previous matches while I, I put stuff together. Um, and th- those guys, they, they have such good chemistry and it's violent and nuts, but like it's what they want to do. So like I'm not going to be the safety police for it. They beat the hell out of each other and the you know the moment that sticks out for me is is the moment at the end where naito hands abushi the belts you know which is so different from naito losing the belts to evil and you know i I think i i don't know i don't think it's a passing of the torch or anything like that i just think it's it's respect right and it's 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 a really cool relationship that these two have where they can drop each other on on their heads for whatever 35 minutes whatever it was tonight and still you know have respect for each other so that's a really cool very kind of neat new japan relationship that i i don't think has ever gotten um it it's never gotten quite the shine that that it should and i think it was cool to see it in the main event on january 4th yeah i mean i thought it was uh you know just just like you said to have like this big important feud be a dome main event now it was really really cool and you know really the the only one left i guess for nato that that uh hasn't gotten a dome main event uh is nato omega but i don't know about the chances of that happening anytime soon uh john what did you think of big major big picture thoughts i guess on this nato ibushi match uh, I liked it a lot. You know, there are things about it. So, like, both the 2019 matches they had are, like, all-timers for me, right? And obviously those had full crowds, but those had, like, you know, a shorter runtime and different expectations because they were intercontinental title matches. And I had to adjust a little to, you know, the expectations of in length and, like, grandiosity of a Dome IWGP title match. But I think they did a great job, uh, you know, filling in that space, dealing with the crowd uh huge like holy shit moments throughout the match and i'm glad you brought up those um the clapping to those elbows was such like a tremendous moment to me each of those elbows sounded like thunder crashing with the way the uh the crowd was clapping like individual claps with each of those elbows and stuff like that uh that was real special i thought it was a great match uh yeah I i definitely agree like the elbow thing really stood out to me as like an example of the you know the the crowd reaction just being very different, but not in a bad way in that moment at least. Jeff, I guess big picture thoughts on Naito and Ibushi. Uh, I mean, obviously the match was great. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say anything about that that anyone hasn't already said. Um, I am not the resident Ibushi stan, ironically, because I think he's just too like. I don't want to say too perfect, but that's kind of the gist, right? He's good at everything. He's annoyingly good looking. There's nothing to like cling to in terms of a flaw. So I just, I guess I find myself detached from him as a character. Uh, I mean, and that's, obviously, that's, that's how I feel about Okada, honestly. More than the same, both <laughs> actually. But uh, I'm, and I'm obviously an unabashed, you know, Naito fan. So it stings a little, but I, I think everyone knew it was coming. It's not like I didn't have time to prepare for it the match itself was great these two have fantastic chemistry uh i don't know why they are so hell-bent on killing each other uh it's it's a very weird dynamic they have that could only really make sense in the context of a new japan ring and definitely worth staying up to watch it was great yeah and i I guess from the naito fan perspective obviously uh i'm a bit of a naito fan myself uh (laughs) the you know, the whole thing, like you said, we, we kind of knew he was losing. I think it was pretty obvious, uh, at least to at least to me. You know, I think a lot of people felt the same way. 
And there was one moment in the match where uh, I thought for a second, like, ah, maybe he will actually win this thing, and I'll get to it in a sec. But, like, my whole vibe going into it was, like, I don't know if I'm going to... I don't know if I would like it if Naito wins. Like, it would be almost like the opposite... Being on the opposite side of Wrestle Kingdom 12, right? And being like, you know, well, I got to... You know, these Ibushi fans are all desperate to finally get their moment here with the title. And, you know, I have to be the one who's like, haha, fuck you, my guy won. And it's like, I don't know if I want to do that, you know? I mean, I don't know if uh, if I really want to really want to be in that position. So I really don't mind Naito losing this. Uh, I do think the you people... You die or live long enough to become a Lanza. Yeah. Uh, I do think the people... <laughs> I do think the people here who, uh, you know... Oh, Kenny Tweed in Japanese, as uh, Joel Abraham just reported... Uh, anyway, what was I going to say? But yeah, I do think the people who think like, oh, Naito passed the torch to Ibushi and now he's going to uh, ride into the sunset and run right into the sunset and he'll never be seen again. I just kind of think that's not true at all. And I think they're pretty clearly building to uh, Naito Okada at the Dome next year as one of the main events. Uh, you know, they've already been taking shots at each other in interviews and stuff and it just seems very obvious to me. So, you know, I don't really expect Kota to be a super long-term champion. Uh, and I don't really think he's, uh, you know, I think the title or the G1 or something is going to go back to Naito this year. And they'll be doing Naito Okada next year. But I don't know. Maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part. But that's how I feel right now. And, you know, even if it doesn't happen, he had his moment. It's not like I'm, you know, I don't begrudge the Ibushi fans getting their moment too. Right. There were there are a lot of... Uh, friends of mine who are really invested in the Ibushi story, and that's something that I think can only really happen in New Japan, right? Like how I the way people get attached to like your Ibushi's, your Tanahashi's, your Naito's. Uh, I think it's a very it's very exclusive to New Japan. I would I just in New Japan in general, and so seeing you know like uh, booze from the Super J Cast Discord, or you know J Mike from the slide, seeing those people kind of get their guy finally to see get to see them over the hump. You know, it, it's it's nice. Yeah, uh, Liam. Any, I guess, big picture thoughts or anything else on what we've been talking about? So, first thing, I think this is a very good match. Um, this is where I sort of put my stick in the drink a little bit. So, I don't really have much of an emotional investment with Naito, and I have zero emotional investment with Ibushi. And so, for that, I think that makes that hurts my enjoyment of this match a lot. Um, I think they've had better matches in the past. Um, the G one twenty seven match. Uh, I think it was like night one, is like an excellent outstanding match. I really love their New Japan Cup 2019 match. Um, I don't think this match hit the heights of either of those matches, um, in my personal opinion anyway. I, I really struggle with Ibushi as a character. I really struggle with him, like as Jeff was going, saying like, there's something about that character arc and sort of like how he's portrayed, especially in comparison with Tanahashi, which I think really hurts him in my eyes. Um, I think, I think he, he comes off to me as like sort of like a slightly less charismatic, less relatable Tanahashi. And that really, like, I'm not really drawn into his like ascent up the mountain as a result. And so watching this match, I thought it was like, you know, a very good match. Um, and like, actually, I actually thought it was like notably less dangerous than a couple of other matches in the past, which is like, I'm not a safety police member, but I thought that was a little nice to see, I guess. Um, but like when Abushi, like, I think there's also some, like some big flaws in this match. Uh, like as a result from like the way it was constructed and some of the story points that happened as a result um but like seeing abushi win and i actually kind of didn't think he was going to win i think the way he was portrayed coming out of g1 and sort of in those corkins he came was like a little bit like a bit cold to me 
So seeing him like have that victory and have that moment of like ascending to the top and you know winning the big championship, like it's a nice moment for an Ibushi fan. It's a nice moment if you're a Naito fan who's invested in the Naito Ibushi food feud. For me, who's a really big Jay White guy, who's an Okada guy, I'm like a little, I left a little cold by this story personally. Yeah, that's fair, and I, I agree that they didn't do a great job building Kota up, but it still felt really obvious to me that he was going to win because it's like Naito has no story with Jay White and Kota does, so that's I guess where. Well, Sorry, go ahead. I think I think I think Jay White has stories with both of them, but I think the mm. big story is Jay and Kota. Yeah, I mean yeah, at this moment, like, I guess it didn't feel like he had a yeah. big story with Naito. But yeah, like watching the Korakuns at the um, like in December, this felt like a weirdly cold match going in. Yeah, I mean the crowd, the crowd though, fucking was more yes. up for this than anything on the entire show. So clearly, it didn't, well, yeah, it clearly it didn't. Clearly, it didn't uh, impact their enjoyment at all. So. I mean, yeah. I you know anyone who watches this and is like, oh, I don't, no, you don't code or not. I I just don't know on what planet you'll be watching this match and not think they're both enormous stars. Now, mm-hmm. my hot take I will give here is at the end of this match when Naito uh, passed the belts to Kota, it was very WrestleMania six to me with Naito as Hogan and Kota as the Ultimate Warrior, and it's like. The vibes to me were still like, okay, Tetsuya Naito is still obviously the bigger star, even though he lost this match and handed this man the belts. So it just, I don't know. It's just the vibe I got. And obviously, I'm very biased towards Naito, even though I do love Kota quite a bit, too. But that was. I, I don't think that's unfair, though. Yeah. I mean, I mean, someone I else mean, said Naito it, too. Is the bigger so, star. Yeah. Naito is the bigger star. And I mean, I think if you were going through, you know, like the mountain of New Japan in terms of who has the star power, Ibushi, even with the title, I wouldn't say it's like an evil world title reign, but he's not—he's not a bigger star than Okada. He's not a bigger star than Naito. Um, until the day Tanahashi retires, he may be higher on the card, but he's not a bigger star than Tanahashi. So it's—it's it's unfortunate that Ibushi is as great as he is. He's never actually going to get like the chance to be the guy. It just won't work out for him. Well, we went through. He's never going to exceed the popularity we, of like a. Yeah, we went through his uh, his title reigns with the KOD and DDT on uh, on the DDT interview show we did on the Patreon last week, and it's like they're all ninety days or less, and he's like very much a I don't know he feels like a chase not a chase guy not like a you know as in it's all in the chase for him and not really all in like title reign. So I don't know I don't know if yeah. he's gonna be I mean I'm not saying he maybe he'll maybe he'll hold the fucking titles all year long for all I know mm, but <laughs> I, really, no, I, really, I think he loses it to Jay tomorrow or he loses it to I, Osprey at Soccer yeah, Genesis I don't think he loses to Jay tomorrow but I think he loses I think he goes to Soccer Genesis that's that's my best guess too but uh, before we get into that let's get into the some notes from the actual match um, so I think like you know some of the some of the stuff they did I mean they. <laughs> There, you know, there was some really crazy stuff. They, they started off very slow to the point where I actually kind of thought, huh, maybe uh, I think Joel was pushing the the uh, sixty minute draw theory a lot, and I saw other people pushing it, and I was starting to think, huh, maybe uh, maybe they are gonna do a, a sixty minute draw here, but the the slow period didn't last that long, and you know they started doing more stuff pretty quickly. Um, you know, there's a German suplex on the ramp. Um, there was this really like very subtle little spin counter that Naito did where he like almost like dosi dokota into the ropes instead of an Irish whip. Uh, like no one else ever really does that. It looked it looked really great, I thought. Uh, and then of course right after that he took the the opposite of subtle. He took a bump right down directly on his neck uh, for a lariat on the apron, which like I saw people on Twitter like cringing and stuff, and it's like 
you are like a little baby. I don't know what else to tell. Like, why? Like, you're if if you're gonna go that cringe that much from one Larry on the apron, it's like of course he's gonna land directly on his neck. This man would land directly on his neck for a you know an apron lariat on a road to Corkin or something or uh, a fucking he'd probably do it for a house show in Kanagawa. I mean, just that's just Tetsuya Naito. So you, I don't know what these people thought they were watching. Uh, you know, I thought the first Ibushi also was like, well, let me land on my deck too, I guess. And landed right on his neck for a neck breaker off the apron. Uh, you know, Naito was like laying in these elbows after the 15 minute call, which the first 15 minutes of this flew by. I mean, the entire match did, really. Uh, and Kota was doing a great job selling them like death. And then Ibushi hits this insane Rana off the apron to Naito that he just goes flying for, uh, like crashes leg first into the railing. Looked looked like uh, just just fucking crazy. Leads to a really great count out tease, uh, and then you know they get up to like the twenty five minute call. Uh, there's like a well before that there's a reverse Rana off the top rope, and then Naito reversed the Kamigoe attempt from Kota straight into the counter Destino. They pulled that off perfectly. I mean like just perfect timing there. That gets a two count. Uh, Abushi comes back with the the Gonzo bomb or the Bastard Driver, whatever the hell it's called. Just drops Naito straight down on his neck. Uh, again, 25-minute call at that point, flew by. And then we had the big elbow exchange I already talked about. Uh, Naito hits, like, this big rolling capo kick. Ibushi comes back with a huge short-arm lariat, then gets a powerbomb and rolls Naito straight into the Kamigoe. That was a really cool spot, but I also kind of never thought he was pinning Naito there, so was not really shocked when Naito kicked out. Uh, and then Koda tried to go for the Phoenix Splash, and it missed. Uh... I don't. I want to actually ask you, Chris, because you're a huge Ibushi fan. When I, when he missed that Phoenix Blast after hitting the Kamigoe and covering him, were you like kind of nervous? Because uh, to me, like I was thinking, huh? I wonder if that's his missed Stardust Press from like Naito missing the Stardust Press in 2018, leading to his doom against Okada. That definitely went through my head. Yeah, it crossed my mind certainly, um, but it didn't feel like it was at the same moment. Right, it didn't feel like it was the same swell of the of the match, so it didn't send me into a frenzy. But I, it certainly <laughs> crossed my mind. I was like, "Oh, okay, this is what we're doing." Uh, believe me, I know that. I know that feeling. Uh, Kota <laughs> hits a high kick, goes for another Kamigoe, hits it again. Nigel kicks out a second time, and I'm like, "That's why I was like, holy shit, is he gonna win this?" But we get the 30 minute call, and then Kota dragged him into a third Kamigoe or tried to. Naito countered with Enzigiri, hit Valentia, uh, just did like a roar to the crowd and went for the full wind-up Destino, but Kota caught him on his shoulder, and then Naito ends up back on his feet, but Kota hits the step-up knee attack, finally a third Kamigoe for the pin, which I thought was like a perfect finish, just the way he just catches Naito with that, that knee, and it helped that both those knees look brutal, and just, you know, that's it, I mean, Naito couldn't do anything at that point. Uh, and then we talked, I already talked about the Hogan Warrior vibes at the end. Uh, and then Jay White comes out the end to cut a promo to a very unimpressed looking Kota Ibushi. Uh, so Jay, uh, the people listening to this as the our regular weekly episode, or well, I don't know why I said Jay, uh, Liam, the people who are listening to this as our regular uh, Omakase episode will already know the answer to this. But for the people live, uh, is Jay White defeating Kota Ibushi tomorrow? I know you're the big Jay White fan. Get, get, um, on, get on the record, come on. Um... I think the answer is. Do you want me to put a number again, or do you just want like a yes/no? A yes/no. I'm gonna say yes. Okay, and that, now that you said yes, what's the percentage? Um, I'm gonna say it's like sixty-five percent. Okay, wow. 
don't think it's super strong, but I feel like, like as you said before, Kota Ibushi is better as a chaser, not as the big champ. But a day? The... <laughs> well, I mean, so the problem is, um, you, if you do a day-long reign, you kind of kill Kota Ibushi's heat. Yeah. I th- but but <laughs> yeah. I also think, like, like I totally think that's the true. I think that's true. But I also think that is exactly the thing that New Japan would do. They would take this moment of like having, they did this last year, um, take this moment of having like this incredible emotional high, and then they cut it off underneath you. Remember last year, you didn't get a roll call. Yeah, which is, I, which is, why, think, which is why Naito's still going to win another Tokyo Domain of Improv. Well, I did, well, I don't know about that either. But I, I just feel like there's a fairly high chance at the moment that New Japan would take the route of like, okay, you've hit this high point, now we're going to sweep what's going on, what, like sweep things underneath you. But then there's also like the counterpoint of like, okay, is Jay turning babyface? Is Jay getting kicked out of Bullet Club on Dash? You know, all that sort of stuff as well, which I think is like an intriguing counterpoint that would require him to lose. But I still think he's winning. Okay. Uh, anybody else think that Jay White is winning tomorrow? If you do, jump in. Uh, nobody's jumping in, so I assume the answer is Jay right. White is winning tomorrow, John. Okay. You really think so? No, uh, I mean, I definitely think there's a chance. I think there's a much uh, higher chance than you do, only because the company this year has been pretty heel heavy, and I just think there might be I, there's a bit of parity there because there's so many programs for both of them going either direction. Like Jay White has a whole fresh slate of programs. Coda has a fresh slate of programs with the title, um, but it's now or later, right? Yeah. So. And Abu and I, again. So, do I think Abushi is? I, I don't know. It just feels like one of those like, and this could be because my mind is poisoned by like WWE, right? But like, just the idea of a short, short reign just doesn't strike me as something that's impossible. And the way this is set up feels like it almost might be inclined towards that because it doesn't make sense for him to just. I mean, Jay, if Jay White loses, I know he's made, but he does kind of feel like a bit of a schmuck. But now if he turns babyface in like two seconds and gets kicked out of Bull Club. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you're on something there. So I think if he loses, he has to, because his heel character is kind of spent at that point. I mean, the question is, like, are there more compelling challenges for Abushi as a babyface, or are there more compelling cha- challenges for White as a heel? Recognizing that there's not really been any big, long heel runs um, with the, the title in quite a long time. Like AJ was the last big long heel champ. Was that 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 was? But he only had like one defense. I think oh, even, even though the days what? looks kind of long, he only had like one defense. Right. Yeah. 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 Because the way they the way they structured those shows and they were made of everything Continental, they don't do yep. big long heel runs. Is the thing. Like, yeah. They've, this era, they've never had one. Like the mm-hmm. longest AJ one, I believe, is like 120 days, but he only has one defense. So I'm gonna look it up yep. real quick. But I'm almost tr- positive that's true. Because uh, he he wins it from Okada, or not Okada. He wins, it from, he wins it from Tanahashi. At, because the longer one is the second one, I think. Let's see. Okay, at WGP Heavyweight. Uh, okay, yeah. The set, oh no, the first one's 163 days. Okay, and okay, so it's two defenses, but one of them is against Okada and Michael Elgin at Ring of Honor show. Oh uh, yeah. So yeah. who gives a shit? Uh, and yeah. the second one, this the second one, uh, the 144 day one. Yes, his only defense is against Kota Ibushi at Invasion Attack, which is what I remembered. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So he's not... They don't... I mean, the most... Like I said, the most heel... That, that two defenses 
with one of them being a weird ROH three-way as the yep. the most defenses by a heel in this era. So, but yeah, I don't know. It's not they they really love the one defense and zero defense heel reigns. Yeah, and I just kind of wonder whether they feel there's more juice in the Ibushi babyface run or in the white heel run. Yeah, that's the, that's the question. And I feel like they're like even though I really want white to turn babyface personally, um, I feel like there's still more juice there. Yeah, to sort of pull out. It's fair, uh, but I guess we'll wait and see. You know, I don't really. I mean, I I I would put it like a five percent for white. Like that's how strong I feel that Code is going to win. But well, no, nobody's ever won Tokyo Dome main events on two consecutive days. That's true. So there's. <laughs> There, there it is. That's right true. off the top of my head. Didn't even have to look it up. That's hey, true. you know what? Kota Ibushi has never beaten Jay White in the Tokyo Dome. So, I mean, and you really, all know I think that, this is a lock. You all know that the um, the briefcase winner almost always wins at the Tokyo Dome, right? Yes, almost yeah. always. Almost always. Almost yeah. always. Yeah. Uh, one out of eight times. So, I mean, you know. Um, that was that was some funny shit. That tweet. If people haven't seen it. it was, uh, people were like, oh, Jay White's going to win. And Kota Bush is going to go to AW, and it's like they'll, they'll never let it die. Uh, John, I regret I've... not keeping the gates a little harder all those years ago. Anyway. <laughs> John, uh, I don't think we've heard from you for a while, so any final thoughts, I guess, on any of this Naito, Abushi, or Bushi White stuff? Well, I mean, as far as what happens tomorrow, I think the biggest tell is that they're just not going to want to add Kota Abushi to that video package before the title matches for a one-day title reign. It's just not worth the effort to plug that image in. So that's what I'm going with for, <laughs> for making that prediction. Uh, so I feel like Kota Bushi wins tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Circling back uh, to to this match, one thing that I think someone touched on at some point was uh, I feel like Kota Ibushi really uh, went through a greater effort than he ever has before to, believe it or not, in this match, preserve his neck Uh the uh, the German suplex on the ramp, he takes the full flip. The uh, the poison rana, he takes the full flip so he doesn't land on his neck. He's uh, he's preserving that neck for a long title reign, I think. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, I think Ibushi wins tomorrow, and um, I don't know, I'm exhausted. This match was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, one of the someone in the live chat, High Fly Flow, said, "Is the Kenny run a heel?" Which is a good question. Uh, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say the Kenny run, of course, was uh, beyond the realm of human comprehension because Kenny cannot be defined by these for wrestling terms like Babyface and Neil. Obviously, he's making high art, so, you know, cannot call him. He cannot be defined by heel, he, face, he, or royalty he, check. He said he, um. he said he was a tweener, and I'm going to take him at his word. He did not appear to know what a tweener is during that run. But no, in my head, he's a, that run was a tweener. And he, he did have two defenses, so that would be another one, I guess, tied with the AJ run. Because he beat Ishii uh, at Destruction, and he won that horrible three-way. Uh, but yes. Anyway, so let's move over to the next match, finally. Because uh, we can't go th- we cannot go this long in every match, but you know the main event deserves a lot of time. Uh, semi-main event. Kazuchika Okada defeats Will Ospreay in 35-41 with the Rainmaker, so it went longer than the main event. Um... I have a lot of thoughts, I guess, on the the way this wrapped up the storyline more so than the actual match. I mean, I thought the match was pretty great. I mean, I'm not, you know, I admitted on Twitter, like, these are two wrestlers I have no emotional connection to at all, probably, like, a negative emotional connection to, just, you know, just I really don't 
care what either of them ever what either of them do ever. So it's not gonna land with me the same way it's gonna land with some other people. But even then I could tell it was a really good match. I mean, you know, they just did a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it was very cool. Um, you know, Will Ospreay pretty much kept the goofiness to a minimum. I mean, there were a couple moments uh, when there was one moment where Okada was like hitting him with elbow shots to the gut and Osprey was saying, and I quote, oi, oi. And I don't really know what the, like why he was selling elbows to the gut by yelling oi. Uh, it was very weird. And then I really thought the his faces in the money clip looked goofy as hell. Uh, this apparently is controversial. I tweeted out like something about like the money clip uh, or oh, Osprey's faces. And I'm, I think I tweeted like uh, Osprey's faces in the money clip uh, I was looking forward to them, and I didn't disappoint, or they didn't disappoint. And then, uh, you know, I I think half the people who replied or quoted that thought I was being serious and thought they were great, and the other half the people, you know, knew that I was kidding and saying, you know, they were horrible. So, you know, Will, Os- Will Osprey facial expressions, I guess, are like a fucking uh, what are those called, like Rorschach tests or something, where it's like anybody can see whatever they want in them. I see a goofball uh, who doesn't know how to sell. Lots of other people think he's great. Uh, I don't know what to say there. But, I mean, I still gave the match four stars. It's, I still thought it was pretty awesome. Uh, but I am, you know, even at four stars, I think I am the low person. So before I go into uh, my problems with the long-term storyline, uh, I guess, why don't you go ahead. Uh, I'll start with you this time. Liam, what did you think of the Okada and Osprey match? Um, in short, I thought this was a really good match. It was probably the match of the night. I actually have, like, very little to say about though. They did every move. Um, <laughs> they did do every move ever invented. Um, it was nice to see a Rainmaker. The crowd the crowd popped when the Rainmaker hit. I thought it was awesome. Um, and B Priestley almost ruined this match for me with her ringside screeching. <laughs> I saw someone say she's as bad as like Paul Heyman now. So I guess Paul yeah. Heyman really screams a lot. But... Yeah. It's really distracting. It's really, like, so I'm like downstairs right at the moment. And my housemate walked in while I was watching this match. And he like went out to the kitchen, and he was like, "Who is that screaming? She's so loud." I'm like, "Oh, this is one of those embarrassing wrestling watching moments that I'm not going to live down for quite a while." Well, there you go. But you know, <laughs> uh, what did you think, Jeff, of this match? Uh, the match was great. I mean, I'm personally not very high on Okada. Uh, he can still go. Clearly, uh, I'm unfortunately going to have to take the L on the idea that he has. Well, I think he's still regressed in terms of like how often he can do this, but he can still clearly do this. See, I thought um, he just didn't give a shit about his. I mean, I never. I, I do think they they gave him that year off on purpose, you know, right. to let him heal his injuries. Because if you watch that G one, the video, he was G1, hurt, yeah, the G one twenty nine video he did, the, I think it was called Vanishing Point. I mean, you could see him like barely able to get out of bed. But like, as far as you know, he can clearly still do it when he really has to. And, you yeah. know, maybe all that time fucking around Yujiro let him heal up a bit. Yeah, and that yeah, and that's for the best. I mean, because this was a hell of a match. Uh, Osprey, so I'm not as sold on the presentation. I don't think Bay adds anything at all. I think, her name, I, I think it's B, by the way. B, okay. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't watch any of it. So I, just, I, I don't know who she is. But uh, I don't think she adds anything to the presentation really for him. I could be crazy. Uh, I just didn't really see that. And it's weird, because I think there are some performers where it does genuinely add something. I just didn't think it did for him specifically. Um, though that could be due to some 
that that could be due to some own I'm trying to think how to word it. Could be due to some of the drama surrounding Osprey. So Yeah, I mean look, I don't really I think the B thing is fine. I mean other than the fact that you know, I don't I don't want to get into everything with him and I, we've been right. through that a million times. I yeah, all, all I will say is um you know, I I do think that it adds something there. I don't I don't really think it detracts at least, except for maybe I don't they, think it detracts. maybe they maybe like Liam said they screamed a little bit too much, but uh, I, I yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, but I, I so I guess my long form thoughts. I do think Osprey looks like a star. I mean, I I, I think he's going to be sticking around, uh, obviously at the top of the card for quite a while. I mean, he'll probably now, he'll probably win the title. I think so. I think it's this year. Yeah, yeah. um, and I think that was. I think this was probably his biggest match in New Japan. He clearly performed. To me, this is probably my favorite Osprey match in New Japan, even if I don't think it was his best match, because it, he did something different here. This wasn't every Osprey match I've ever seen. He had a lot more violence. He was just he was frenetic. He was he was when he was hitting things. It wasn't like going through the motions. It just felt more raw and intense, and it kind of translated with Okada, too. It was a different kind of match from both of them, and I I really enjoyed it as a mix-up from what they usually do. Uh, it wasn't the match I was expecting, but I'm definitely happier with what I got than what I was expecting. So, yeah. Mixed feelings on this, but it was a great match. Uh, what did you think of it, John? Yeah, I, uh, I liked it a lot. I mean like Jeff said, I had completely different expectations for it. Um, I really loved their G1 match. I super loved it uh, with, with like that finish and everything. Uh, it was in uh, my top 10 New Japan matches for the year. And what I love about these two normally is that Osprey makes current day Okada pick up the pace, but Okada kind of balances that Osprey match style down. And I thought we were going to get just a long form version of that. And this wasn't that at all. And also, like Jeff said, you got to give Osprey credit if you're one of the people who says he only has one kind of match because on the biggest stage, this was not an Osprey match. And uh, I'll save all my thoughts about the Rainmaker thing for after you get to it. And I'll pretend we haven't already talked about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just wanted to give everybody a chance, I guess, to to get through the match first before I go into that. So, uh... But one thing before I before I forget, uh, the best way I could describe Will Ospreay's face in the money clip is when I saw it, I was like, that's a guy getting dragged out of a bar by a bouncer who's choking him too hard, which is the highest compliment I can give to someone selling a chokehold in a wrestling match. <laughs> I think I think, <laughs> I think you nailed it. Uh, yeah, I like the match a lot. Uh, any... Anything to add here, Chris, about the match? Uh, I liked it. I liked the Osprey video package before the match, too. I think it just, like, really sealed the deal on what this new persona is. So I, I thought that was really good. I think the, you know, the visual of, you know, the assassin even getting crossed out. So um, not even just removing Ariel from the from the moniker. So... I think that we are seeing a new Osprey, and I think we saw that in the ring tonight. So a new, different style, um, maybe something that he can get some more longevity out of, um, stretch his career out, and, and really establish himself as a as a heavyweight. So and I, I think this was really just the first step, which is why I don't think 
um, we saw him get the big win. There you go. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say about the Okada thing, because the part that I found really unsatisfying, and which I guess maybe took the rating down a little bit for me, but also just, like, I don't don't really... Like, people say this Money Club story was great, and, you know, uh, I, I get why they did it from a standpoint of, you know, in... In real life, right? Not in kayfabe. I get why they did it from a, from a standpoint of, you know, uh, Okada had kind of gotten a little. I mean, the Rainmaker had been kicked out of like crazy lately. So we, you know, here you reestablish it as a one hit KO. You know, I get that. Also, the Money Clip matches let Okada take some months off compared to his normal style and like have a much easier G one and you know the summer and stuff. Let him do something different. I get that. I still do not think it was a good story. I still don't think they ever explained from a kayfabe standpoint why this character would do this. He basic his only explanation for this was basically, you know, I want to do something different. I want to challenge myself, and uh, you know, I just people don't like it too bad. He never explained why he just suddenly decided to stop using his deadly finisher that pinned everybody. You know, went up against like he got him to the top of the company. Uh, you know, a million times over. Just they never gave a satisfying explanation, and you know, fine. He wants to use he wants to use this money club to mess around with Ujiro, but it never made any sense that he would not just go back to the Rainmaker in the G One climax with a chance to meet him at the Tokyo Dome on the line when it was clear the money clip was not going to get the job done, and you know, then to to bust out the Rainmaker here in a non-title match, yeah, to the Tokyo Dome. And I guess the idea is maybe that, oh, he's so mad at Osprey, he decides to do it. It just felt like such a poor ending. Like, I really thought they were going to have Osprey win this, and then, you know, Okada's going to have to go back to the Rainmaker, uh, you know, to beat him in some big match, like a, you know, even like a New Japan Cup final or a G1 match or a title match or something. It's just like he beats him in a non-title match with this Rainmaker. It makes the entire thing just feel so fucking cheap. And, you know, just so pointless. And just feels pointless at the end of it. Like, why did we have this storyline where this man refused to use his own finisher for six months? Why should I feel sympathetic to that character? Or why should I, uh, you know, you know, basically, why should I like that character more for giving himself this disadvantage on purpose? And then just being like, "Ah, I guess I'll go back to the Rainmaker to beat this guy in a match that isn't for anything. It just, it just really did not work for me at all. Uh, you know, if people here listening liked it, I'm, you know, I think that's, I'm happy for you. I mean, we can all like different things, but I just thought this storyline was one of the worst things they've done in this era. Just not, not good at all. And John, I know you, I guess, kind of agree with me, so I guess you can go ahead and. Uh... Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm dying to get in on this one. So the way that I look at it is imagine you didn't watch the G1. You didn't watch this all happen, right? And someone had to tell you what took place, how this story played out. Essentially what they'd be telling you is Okada loses his title and then decides to make things more difficult for himself. Not, not immediately, by the way. Like six, right. like five months later after the, the, the uh, COVID stop, which he used the Rainmaker to beat Taichi in February. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, so for, that for no apparent it, reason. For no apparent so that You can't even put, point to that timeline for it to make sense. Like and, and then the, the, the big wraparound, the big finale of the arc, is he just gets tired of doing that and decides to go back to doing what he did for the rest of his career. Uh, I, someone just told me that without me. It, it was just an exercise in the guy showing you he could, like, form an arc out of anything, I guess, but it didn't mean anything. So when the 
when the Rainmaker happened at the end, I know that was supposed to be a big moment. Like, I understood that, but I didn't give a shit. I just thought, you know, I'm glad he's using that move again. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> like, wow, way to, way to use your move. That's great, I guess. Cool. Instead of, cool. It doesn't, yeah. And it certainly doesn't help that the, the move he replaced it with, the money clip, fucking sucked. It was like one of the right. worst submission fears I've ever seen. So, so it's so Will's whole thing ends. Will you know his whole story with Okada ends essentially with Okada getting bored of the game he was playing. Yeah, <laughs> real powerful stuff. And he's and he again <laughs> is a baby face. So I don't know. Just uh, there you go. Uh, Joel, I I was, Joel, really kind of yeah. That, yeah, Joel in the chat did say Devil's Advocate. Maybe Okada believed the money clip was a more effective move. It did, he got results from the G1 after he lost like his first three matches, though. So I don't know. Is he is he having a match with the LP? Because that would imply he's brain dead. I mean, <laughs> I, I I think to me, um, when Okada does these kinds of stories, uh, it really stri- like it feels like it feels like similar arcs to what they were they would do with Tanahashi, just not done as well. So I don't remember any of these kinds of dialogue. I don't remember any of this dialogue when Tanahashi got the clover leaf over as a finish. Uh, because he did it well. Um, and it was a fantastic spot in a match, and people popped out of their minds for it because it was well-developed. And it made sense because it made sense in a practical context. People thought, well, you know, Tanahashi, his knees are fucked. So it makes sense that he's not using the high fly flow as much now. So, And it, it was a nice... It was just done in a way that made sense that people could buy into. And make him off. Uh, but I don't think Okada is at that point. I think his depression arcs are kind of samey like i know a lot of people were selling the differences between the money clip arc and balloon okada and there were some differences aesthetically but like i don't know it just feels samey okada always feels samey to me but i i don't find any of the arcs with him really that much and the money clip was very much the same thing i never bought that he was going to win at Wrestle Kingdom against some guy they're pushing as a new, you know, as a world title contender uh, with the money clip. I just didn't. Um, but it does feel like a letdown to see he just bust out the Rainmaker now with seemingly no reason other than, okay, well, now I have to. And it's like, well, okay, I guess the G1 didn't matter much, but I, I, I agree with John's sentiment entirely on this. Uh, what do you? Someone, someone's going to jump in and I guess give the opposite viewpoint. I don't know. Who well, I'll jump in and just say that I I liked the money clip story. You know, segueing into the rainmaker in this particular match. Like, if you just looked at it in this match, like, you, you and you know a little bit of the background. He hasn't used the rainmaker. Maybe if he had a better reason, like you guys are talking about, sure. But like in in the match. Every time you thought, like, at least for me, every time I thought he was going to just smack him with a Rainmaker, he would pull that arm back around his head and, and, and put the money clip on. I thought that, like, the, the the crowd started to react negatively to it. Like, uh, oh, come on, man. Like, get with <laughs> it. Um, and I, I thought that, you know, that was a that was a cool reaction in a, in a pretty quiet building. So um, I, I liked it in this vacuum, at least. Well, I, you could, I, I, also, I could also argue maybe... I don't know the crowd not liking that your baby face is using a move that he's supposed to have over is not really was that really what they were going for? Maybe it was. I don't know. It was a very weird storyline, I guess. Uh, I guess Liam, did you have anything to say about this before we move on? 
Uh, two, two very quick things. So one, I think it's amazing that the money clip can kill a clap crowd. Like, really amazing. <laughs> um, and two, there's, I think there's actually a very distinct difference between Okada's structure of his matches with Gato and outside of Gato, and like post the Gato betrayal. And I don't think he's actually figured out the, the structure to his matches yet. And I think that's really, you could tell that really obviously through like a very simple thing. He used to always do three drop kicks in the match, in his big matches. Now he throws like six or seven and they don't really make much sense. Um, and so I feel like there's a point in Okada where he's still trying to figure out what is like the formula or what is the way he wants to structure his matches. And I think the money clip was an experiment, which I think everyone agrees is a failed experiment in trying to figure that out. All right, there you go. Uh, let's move on. We got four or five more matches to cover, actually, but I think we can go a lot shorter on them than we did on those top two. So, uh, the fourth match, Hiroshi Tanahashi defeating Great Okan in 17-13 with the high fly flow. Um, this match seemed divisive, which I, I don't really get because I just thought it was awesome. I mean, uh, oh, actually, well... I guess we can cover it after this match. There's a couple things during the intermission. I just mentioned them real quickly. We had a long ad for a new smartphone app where before this match where Naito like left Kidani with the family restaurant bill. That was really funny. So I enjoyed that. It was a nice little sop to the Naito fans considering he's going to lose the main event. Then he got to leave stick Kidani with the bill. Uh, and we also got a very simple message that just said, uh, New Japan hits TV in America and UK soon. Which was it was reported that New Japan's going to have a new English language uh, television partner. Uh, Dave Meltzer reported this earlier today. Uh, I believe on the I didn't listen to the English announcing, but they said something about uh, purple, right? That's what they said, like the color purple. Yeah. So that people are speculating be in sports because they they have a very purple logo. Uh, so maybe that could be it, which would be a definitely a lower tier channel. I don't even think I get it, but. Uh, you know, any any TV is better than no TV. So, I mean, you know, can't really complain. Uh, as far as this match, you know, again, I, I it, it seemed weirdly divisive. I don't... It's one of these things where, like, when I'm watching these Ocon matches, I, I don't get what people don't like. Maybe someone here who hated the match could... If we do have somebody here, could tell me. Like, I, you know, I thought the stuff where they were grappling on the mat at the start was good. I thought where Okan was beating on Tanahashi's leg for a while was good. He, like, left him on the outside at one point and just, like, waited for him to crawl back in the ring with his hands behind his back. It was awesome. You know, it made him kiss his boot when he could crawl back in. It was great. Uh, you know, and then Tanahashi did a nice little comeback before Okan caught him in midair and just, like, slammed him face down almost from a backdrop position, but looked great, which looked great. I just think he's gotten so good already at, like, working as, like, the dominant heel in these matches. And he, did, he got a lot of offense in this match. Uh, we had a big elbow exchange before Okan you hit the screaming axe kick to put him down. Um, you know, Tanahashi came back with this big sling blade uh, for a two count after dodging some more Okan offense. And I thought Okan took a great bump for the sling blade. Uh, but Okan then came back with it by getting his claw on Tanahashi while he's on the top rope. Gave him another big face buster. Uh, but yeah, just like the, the, the finishing stretch, Okan had teased using a chair. Tanahashi took the chair and, like, threw it down instead of using it, which was, I guess, playing off their build, where Okan had really beaten the crap out of him with a chair. Uh, gave him a dragon suplex hole for a two count, and then hit two straight high fly flows, one to the back and one to the front, and that got the pin. Uh, as, you know, not surprised, really, they gave Tanahashi the win. I thought they might give Okan the win, but uh, they usually do, like, to build up to that a little more with these newer guys. But, I mean, still obviously a big deal that he was even wrestling Tanahashi here. 
But yeah, I thought this was awesome. I went four stars on this. I, I liked it better than Okada and Osprey, uh, very slightly. But I just I really enjoyed this match. Uh, you know, I thought Okan again looked great, looked like a star. Don't know what the Okan haters even see at this point. Uh, and I thought this was you know really great, really great match. Uh, probably second to the main event for my favorite match of the show. Uh, Chris, what did you think of Okan and Tanahashi? I'm a big fan of Okan. I think that the thing people don't see with great Okan is, I, I think it's literally in his name. If you call him Tomoyuki Oka and he dresses like he does and he comes out and he's just a big character, I think I think the criticism would be uh, at least reduced. I think people don't want, you know, kind of outlandish characters in their pro wrestling anymore. So that's that's my opinion on that. I, but I think Oka's a... a fantastic wrestler i think he's really coming along he's figured out a lot he's workshopped a lot of stuff on that world tag league tour so if if all you saw um if all you saw from him was i guess power struggle to now i think you would you would recognize some pretty great growth and you know tanahashi coming back you know not quite a not not nearly a similar story to okada and the rainmaker but tanahashi hasn't even tried a high fly flow since october so you know similar in a way um but i think we are seeing the cycle down of of tanahashi finally and and maybe you heat him back up for for one more run especially if abushi's the the uh the champion right so you you abushi's the guy that finally i guess puts tanahashi as a main eventer to rest maybe that's the case but you know this win could go a long way towards tanahashi having a better 2021 um or at least like staying in that mix yeah, I mean, I, I, it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here, because it is obviously it, it did feel like he was getting down cycle pretty hard during 2020. So, I mean, would they do Tanahashi Ibushi again for the titles? Like, I could see it. I mean, I mean, this year was the first year since 2002 that Tanahashi had a uh, a singles win loss record under 500. So, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty extreme cycle down. Uh, I mean, to me, it all started at the 2019 G1 where he goes four and five. And that, like, is to me the beginning of the arc for him where, you know, then he goes on to uh, Wrestle Kingdom and loses to Jericho. It just kind of goes from there. But we'll see if he does rebound a bit here. I mean, I I could see him doing Tanahashi Ibushi. I mean, that seems like a match they would do. But yeah, and as, you know, Tanahashi's maybe the last, last big shot. Yeah. Um, I, I could see it. It'd, be, it'd probably be pretty good, too. Yeah. John, what did you think of Tanahashi and Okan? Oh, I thought it ruled, but I do get why people wouldn't like it. To me, like, what's succeeding about Okan isn't entirely something you can, like, chalk up with star ratings in a bell, in a bell-to-bell sense. I think, like, this character he's putting out there is, uh, you know, real different and fresh. I said earlier he feels like an old, like, territory villain to me, which I could see some people hearing that and going, I absolutely do not want that. I think it rules. I think, like, the spot where he rolls back in the ring while Tan is recovering on the outside, and he's just standing there with his arms behind his back, just, like, this real cool, powerful image. I think this whole match uh, was more like a big, like, fun, cool moment than a conventional great match, uh, you know, from, from Tana's, like, big entrance to, uh, you know, that whole aura that Okan puts out there. Um, I think he's killer, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'd give this like a three and a half, but I had like 
four stars of fun, man. I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, I think Ocon rules, but I do still, I understand if people aren't into it, but to me, it's like, if you, if you can get down with some of the booking they're doing, uh, lately, I don't see why you, like, why you, if you can accept them breaking out of conventional things in their booking, I don't see why you couldn't get down with this dude because this dude rules. Um, and this match, yeah, I had a blast. It's, nah, it's probably like my fourth favorite of the night, but I, I liked it a lot. I had a good time. Uh, there you go. Uh, what did you think of this match, Jeff? Uh, I have a few thoughts coming out of it. So, first off, uh, I do in fact think I'd enjoy Ocon a lot more if he was just a straight character. Uh, I think his shoot style stuff rules. Like, his grappling is great. Uh, I've enjoyed the beginning of the match quite a lot. Um, when he gets into the screaming and jumping around shit, I'm, I check out. It's not my thing. Um, I, if I need 80s style territory heels, I'll just go watch 80s style territory heels. He's just, it's not my gig. Um, I, but I, I, I think there's something there. Uh, in regards to Tanahashi beating him and what that means for maybe you know, moving Tanahashi back up the card, I don't think it's as much that as I think people have overestimated where Okarn is on the card right now. Uh, maybe they do have these future ace aspirations for the guy. That seems to be the vibe I keep hearing about, but he's not there now. He's just not. That's not what they're pushing him as. Uh, he went four and five in the tag league, and while they didn't just outright pin them, he just he didn't win a lot of matches either. I mean, the Tanahashi destruction thing was a good angle, but he lost to Okada. He just got pinned clean as a sheet here, so, so he's Jay, not even Jay, the number one guy Jay in the faction. Jay White got pinned clean as a sheet on his first match against Tanahashi at the Dome too. Sure, and then Jay White went six and three in the G one. Sure. So you know. Yeah, I still don't think, but he's not even the top guy in his own faction. Let's make that. Transparently neither, clear, they're not neither, pushing. Neither was Jay White when he came back. I don't think they're pushing him as this top level guy. I just don't get that vibe from how he's. Okay, I, I could not disagree more with that take. I think he's clearly I, being pushed as a. a I mean, he just player. lost to a guy who went like four and five or three and six in the G one. He's, he's the guy so doing the post match promos when Will Ospreay's standing in the ring and and Cork and Hall. <laughs> I, like, I, I getting. I get it. He's getting promo time and he's going to be built to that. But I don't think he's there now. I don't think it's a next year thing. I think this is a three year down the road thing, and right now he's the second or third most important guy in his own he's faction. Definitely, in terms definitely of booking, not, definitely not the third most important guy in his faction. There's no way. In terms of booking priority, like, I, mean, I think if only... they do the G one next year, I think he'll have a lower record than Cobb, no, or it'll be like no the way. same. No way. Zero chance. I, okay. Zero chance. Cobb, Cobb will go four and five in the G one in perpetuity. I yeah. think O'Connor probably goes to five next uh, G one. He I don't goes, think he's doing much better than he that. He goes five and four minimum, probably six and three, or he gets some big, big one at the end. I don't see six and okay. three. I mean, okay. This could just be me. I don't or see gets, six and three or he, get, or he has like some record like Osprey did in his first G1, but then beats Tanahashi at the end or some other. I could absolutely see that, really but I don't reason. see him going above that. Okay. I see like four and five. Okay. And he yells his promo without a microphone, which is awesome. Yeah. He's cool. I'm not saying there's not aspects of his character that are cool. I'm not saying he's bad. I just don't think he's being pushed at the level people think he's being pushed at yet. He will be. I They clearly have plans for him. That's not my point. I don't think he's getting a Jay White-style mega push the minute he touches the ring, though. I don't think that's happening. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't take this long for Jay White to get that push, by the way. Jay White touched the ring and had the U.S. belt in a month. 
Uh, Ocon's been out for here for I think has he been out for about six months, five months. How long has he been out? Three months. October. Three. Okay. Time doesn't feel right anymore. But he's been out there. He lost to Okada immediately, and then he lost to Tanahashi. I don't know. Like, what's what's his new thing he's going to be doing next month or the month after? I don't think he's going to get any real push till G1 at best. Mm-hmm. So I just I don't think it's this immediate thing. So yeah. I don't think this is used to move Tanahashi up the card. I just think it's roughly where they're both at right now. Okay. So um, so let me – there's something I wanted to say before I lose track. So Joel asked in the chat, who is better, Ocon tonight or Jay in WrestleKingdom 12? I think Ocon is better than Jay. Like, Jay looked really nervous at that WrestleKingdom 12 show. And I don't think Jay looked nervous – I don't think Ocon looked nervous at all. I mean, Jay Jay would more than make up for in, you know, his his years to come. But so it's it you know the first impression is not always going to be the the biggest deal. But I mean, oh, it, it was more comparable probably to Ocon's performance against Okada at Power Struggle, which was his real first performance. Whereas this Ocon now has had a few months already to uh, to get the kinks out, which uh, Jay did not have. But yeah, I, Still, I definitely thought Ocon looked way better here than Jay did. Feels weird to think he's only been around three months anyway. Yeah. But um, I think. Again, it's. I don't think it's a matter of is he better than Jay White was. I don't think it's. I just think it's a matter of where they're positioned relatively on the card in that time. I will say that's all I can say. Liam, uh, jump in here because you haven't got a chance to talk, and Hi. I gotta run in and get my charger. So talk for a while. Okay. So a few things about this match. Let's start with Tanahashi. Tanahashi in this match is inconsequential. He did some stuff. He. I don't know. If he, I wouldn't say he took a night off, but he was like very, very relaxed. So like no big bumps. Um, really took it easy this, this night. And I think that's fine for Tanahashi. I think Tanahashi, I actually disagree with Chris's take earlier where this is like a potential Tanahashi elevation. I don't think that's happening ever again. Maybe if they split the titles and they do like an intercontinental challenge, I could see that. But I think Tanahashi's days are challenging for the IWGP title. Those are done. Like the juice is done. Like that's, that story's over. But this is not like a Tanahashi this is not the story of Tanahashi, and honestly, like the match quality here doesn't really matter that much. I don't think it doesn't matter if this is a good match. It doesn't matter if it's a great match. Like what the like the purpose of this match is to introduce Okan to a massive audience, the Tokyo Dome Stadium audience, the audience who, who um, only watches like the really big shows, and get across who this guy is, get across his character, get across what he wants to do, and like where, where he's going forward. I think this match is similar to the Jay White match in 2018, but I also agree with Jeff in that, like, I don't think he, um, Ukan is getting the exact rocket push um, that Jay was going to get. I do think he's slotted above Cobb at the moment, but um, I don't think we'll see that, I don't know when we'll see that manifest in a title challenge or a title win, but I think in terms of, like, Ukan's performance on this night, I thought he was outstanding. Um, I thought, like, his physical presence, physical, like, like, the way he goes about wrestling is so interesting to me. And there was a comment by um, the English commentary team, which basically said that Okan, unlike most people who participate in this in New Japan, wasn't a wrestling fan growing up. He was like an amateur wrestler who got poached by uh, Kadani. And I think that's a really interesting point because you can, I think you can see that a lot in the way he moves and the way in which he transitions and the way in which he goes about wrestling. Um, I'm back, by the way, I, if you're not. Hey. No, no. I, I was just talking about how I think like Okan's like not wrestling fan background actually is really really interesting, and yeah. how um, that lends really well to his physical presence. I think Okan will be the star coming out of Empire. I don't think he's the top guy there yet, but I do think he's going to take this unit at some point in the next two or three years. 
Alrighty. I think that's that's very clear. Can I clarify real quick that I'm not insinuating that Ocon won't be the star in like three years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is not my take. Yeah, okay. Okay, um, so let's let's move on, though, because I want to get through the rest of these matches and I'm uh, very, suddenly very tired. So, let's get to match number three. Uh, Kenta beating Satoshi Kojima in 14-12 at the Go to Sleep. Uh, Kenta successfully defended the U.S. Heavyweight Right to Challenge contract for what felt like about the 20th time. But there was maybe some progress there because John Moxley made an appearance and he taped promo from their California studio, I believe, from the ring uh, over there. And he just basically said, I'm coming for the winner of this Tokyo Dome contract match, you know. Pretty cool moment, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I'm not, and it, was, it was kind of a surprise, so cool little moment. Um, I think this was really good. I mean, really just like a really fun match. Um, it was a little dull at the start, maybe, but everything after... Uh, Kojima hit this really nasty-looking apron DDT. It was really good. Uh, just from there, they never looked back and really had a quite good match. I went three and three quarters. Uh, couldn't couldn't quite pull the trigger on four because, like I said, everything before that was a little bit dull. Uh, so I guess quick thoughts on this one. Liam, what did you think of Kenta and Kojima? Um, I thought this ruled. I thought this was really, really good. Um, the one thing I have coming out of this is they should really push Kojima again. Like, he is still really good. And he's still, like, I think he's got still more upside than, um, like, obviously Makabe. I feel like there's more you could do with him than Ishii. Um, I'd push him over Tana, honestly, at this point. Um, he still could go out there and really deliver in this spot. And I think Kenta, like, Kenta now is, like, I think someone referred to him as an angle wrestler now. And I think, like, yeah, kind of. Like, he's not 2005 or 2009 Kenta anymore. But I still feel like he really rose the occasion here and, like, delivered a really good, solid, hard-hitting match that got really stiff at the end yeah i mean he's never gonna be, he's never gonna be a five-star match guy anymore but like i thought his his matches were his match with naito from february was awesome had a couple really good matches in the g1 i mean i, I definitely don't think he's like spent or anything you know he's not like you said not what he was in 05 or 09 but who of us yeah. are who of us are and um, they should put kojima back in the g1 but they won't because they're cowards <laughs> jeff any quick thoughts here on kenta and kojima uh, I disagree with him being uh, with the Tanahashi take, but I do agree with pretty much everyone else you mentioned. I would push Kojima at their level at least or above. He was great here. Um, I do get a little sad seeing this version of Kenta. I know he's good for angles. I know his promos are good, and like he's still an enjoyable character. But his, I haven't really enjoyed his in ring as much uh, outside of a few spots here and there. The Naito match being probably the biggest example of that um the match itself was pretty good though i mean i went three and a half uh the closing stretch was way funner than the rest of it for me though it got a little slow at times uh i don't know i don't have much for it to be honest okay it, it, it stood out the least of all the matches on the show john what do you think uh this was a lot of fun i thought um this was a real just like straight up uh, no frills match, but in the beginning when it was slow, it didn't bother me at all because the way the crowd was reacting to Kojima it was like real smile fuel. Uh, it was real nice to watch, like to watch them react to everything he did. And I, do, I think you lose that charm real quick if you put Kojima back in the mix like a regular competitor. Um, I mean, he could still go, but I think the joy you get out of surprises like this is worth its weight in gold i think kenta is getting smarter and smarter about his limitations and knows really knows what to do in spots like this um 
I thought this match did everything it was supposed to do. It was a lot of fun. Uh, cool, cool wrestling. <laughs> uh, what did you think, Chris? Yeah, fun to see Kojima get a big spot. Cool to see the the crowd react the way they did. I think Kenta is is the version of Kenta. He's the best version he can be right now, which I think is is all you can ask of someone as they advance in age like that. And and I think that that's actually something that most New Japan wrestlers have a lot of success with. So it's probably good that Kenta ended up uh, where he did. And uh, I wish the whoever's running things in California would have ironed the uh, the lion mark flag that was behind John Moxley because it looked like shit. <laughs> Uh, match number two, the Dangerous Techers fucking lose to Girls of Destiny. How is this possible? Tangaloa pins Taiji in 1918 with the ape shit. Uh, G.O.D. become the 88th champions. They set the new record with their seventh IWGP reign. They break the tie between them and Tenkozy. Uh, you know, this this match, I mean, I just was joking, I guess, about not liking G.O.D., but this match was really, really good. Um, you know, it, it, it started out, you know, a little boring. I mean, G.O.D.'s heat period uh, was very uninteresting. But, man, everything after that was awesome. I mean, you know, this really cool double-team powerbomb with Tama tossing Zack into Tonga. Uh, Taichi has to make the last minute save. Uh, you know, he took a Tongan twist for his troubles. And then Zack countered the super powerbomb into a top rope guillotine. He starts yelling at Taichi to get his ass over there because he can't do it on his own. And it's the fucking Tokyo Dome. Uh, and they gave Taichi this, or they gave Tonga this double team powerbomb suplex. And Taichi went wild like he's fucking Hulk Hogan in the, in the, uh, in the Tokyo Dome with these running axe bombers, screaming axe bomber for each one. Because, you know, just like Hogan used to do. Uh, and there's, you know, just a really, really cool finishing sequence. Uh, but then Tamataga gets the Iron Fingers from Hell, just like in the World Tag League match, nails Taichi with them, uh, and leaves Tonga hanging the ape ship for the pin. Uh, I went three and three quarters. Couldn't, again, quite pull the trigger on four because the G.O.D. heat period was really boring, and I didn't, you know, the finish just f- fucking pissed me off, uh, you know. But, you know, in kind of a markish way, I guess, because I love the, the techers and don't really have any use for G.O.D., I mean, I will admit them posing or climbing up on the dugout and posing under under the spotlight with their belts was a pretty cool visual, but I don't know. Uh, my immediate worry coming out of this was that they're building to a Taichi Zack split, uh, both with Zack being like weirdly aggressive about Taichi coming over to the corner, and then you know you could say this was uh, basically Taichi's fault for bringing these iron fingers out again uh, and having them used by Tamatanga on them, just like he. Um, you know, just like he did, just like they did in the World Tag League. So you know, I I do I did worry a little bit. Plus, there's all these rumblings about like, um, you know, upcoming like uh, like faction shifting or something. So who knows? But I've, apparently, after the show, Zach was like swearing revenge on God and said, you know, the seventh reign won't last that long. So it looks like they're already building to a return match. So. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe the Dangerous Techers will just win the belts back in a month. Maybe G.O.D. will get to see what it's like <laughs> to win the Dome and lose the belts right back to the to the champions you beat them from instead of how they do that to everybody. So, uh, you know, it'll be kind of funny and poetic justice, I guess. Uh, Chris, what did you think of this tag team championship affair? I think this was – it was really fun. Um, I think it over-delivered on my expectations because I never expect much from um, G.O.D., 
Um, and I'll watch Zack Sabre Jr. in an empty building just screaming things at Tai Chi for the rest of my life. I, that was the best spot I could ever think of in, in a match with these guys. But yeah, I I liked it. I, I wish they would have broken the other streak, which would have been um, the tag titles not changing hands at Wrestle Kingdom because I really like Dangerous Taggers as a team. But um you know, maybe if, if this checks off the last box for G.O.D., maybe they'll figure out something else to do with those guys. Because <laughs> this is like the last accomplishment. Like what yeah. else? Did, what's left? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, John, any thoughts on this tag team title match? Uh, yeah, I thought this match ruled. I always uh, I'm always pulling for G.O.D. because I feel like there's so many contexts where that team works, but it's just unfortunate that the new Japan tag division is not one of them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, any of that, them winning just kind of feels like all the hope for the tag division went away, even though this match was, was good. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was great. I, I'd heard everyone talking about how Tonga Loa suddenly got good, but I didn't watch tag league. So this was my first exposure to the brand new Tonga Loa 2.0. And he he was cool, <laughs> uh, but yeah, everything rolled except for uh, you know there was like one stretch where Tama and Tonga were just taking turns choking people on the ground. That was a drag. Uh, I thought Zach was amazing in this match, one hundred percent the star of the match. And uh, I don't know. Good luck to the New Japan Tag Division. If if Dangerous Techers breaks up, wouldn't that be amazing? If after the Golden Aces and Dangerous Techers feud that made everyone go, the New Japan Tag Division matters again. Both teams are broken up within a couple of months. It's beautiful. Gato's a genius. Really, just a fucking madman. Uh, yeah, the three and three quarters. Uh, what do you think here, Jeff? Uh, I think, typically, I prefer other techers matches over this this just kind of ha- like it was a good match but the finish really sucked um i'm still convinced gator doesn't put much time into like the tag division i know at the beginning of the year everyone got excited because it was you know the golden aces showing up but i think that was really more it was using the tag belts to further a single storyline i don't think it had anything to do with any renewed focus on the tag belts and um I, I just think we kind of have to accept that these belts are going to be passed around between whoever they can uh, slop together to sell a few tickets. And that's really unfortunate because a well-booked tag division is something I think New Japan could do pretty easily. But uh, I don't know. Like I w- It just kind of made me sad. <laughs> uh, Liam, what do you think of this one? Uh, I'll give you three points, three quick points on this one. One, I thought the match was really good. Um Joel asked in the chat if this was the best GOD match ever, and because GOD are generally like mediocre, I'm going to say yes without doing any research. <laughs> um, two, if you loved Zach's performance this match, and a few people in the Super Jcast Discord were like, Zach's a really good babyface, you should watch his stuff in Noah with Yoshinari Ogawa in the junior tag division. That stuff is awesome and is very similar in terms of like, um, you know, how this match was structured and how that team works. And three, if Gato breaks up Dangerous Techers, I will fly to Japan, sit in quarantine for two weeks, and then I will find Gato and kick him in the dick. We'll vouch for the Ogawa <laughs> stuff it owns. 
Uh, okay, so let's get to the opener of the pay-per-view, or of the show, right before the, uh, other than the dark match, which was the Hiromu Takahashi defeating El Phantasmo in 1746 with the Hurricanrana. So Hiromu moves on to challenge Hiromu, ta- or to challenge Taiji Shibori. I am tired. For the IWGP Junior title on January 5th. Um, okay. Th- this was like uh, Armageddon on the uh, Voices of Wrestling Slack. El Fantasmo just made everybody melt down. All I'm going to say is uh, ELP's new theme song fucking sucks. Uh, I don't find him entertaining as a wrestler. Uh, for some reason, this like really upsets people, as I learned tonight. That people really, really, really do not want to hear that ELP sucks. Uh, and I'm sorry. I just, you know, I, I find his heel, his heel work to be uh, just incredibly boring. And that's what I did here. I mean, look, the stuff where he was doing flips was cool. And Hiromu is Hiromu, so it's always going to be a certain level of great. But, uh, you know, a certain level, there's a certain baseline here. But this is like, I thought Hiromu had like fucking seven or eight matches, maybe all nine of his uh, best of Super Junior block matches were better than this. I mean, I the only one to be the only one to even be comparable, I guess, is the Bushi match that I didn't like that much. But uh, I still think that was probably better than this. So probably all nine. I mean, just I don't know, like the like the one point, like to me, what sums up ELP and why I can't stand him. You know, he like trolls the crowd by doing this a bad impression of the Kenny Terminator thing. They barely even bother to clap along anyway, and then he just kind of does the spaz dance he used to do instead of diving. It's just like. It's just so, like... <laughs> I mean, I get it's supposed to be cringe. You're not supposed to like him. But that doesn't mean I have to say that I want to see him on, on my fucking screen. Okay? Like, you could use that argument against anybody. You could That's the shit that WWE fans use to justify Baron Corbin. So, I, you know, I don't want to hear that. I get that I'm not supposed to like him. But I don't like him. I don't want to watch him. And I don't find him entertaining. So, that's all I can say about him. I went three and a quarter stars, uh, you know... I'm glad Hiromu won. He won with a roll-up, so I assume it's because, uh, you know, just to keep ELP strong, it'll probably get the title or something at some point. But, uh, you know, as was apparently the plan for this year before COVID. But, God, do I not want to watch it. So, I don't know. Who did I start with last time? I lost track. Anybody? Nobody remembers who I started with last time? I th- I think Chris was first last okay, time. Okay, so Liam, do you want to say something about ELP uh, versus Hiromu? Yeah, I'll say two quick things. One, I disagree with the theme song. I think this theme song is a massive improvement from the last one. Um, it's good, I guess. Whatever. Um, this match was a fucking mess. Um, it started really good, and then like it hit like the seven or eight minute mark, and then like there was an EOP control segment in the ring, and it just really fell off a cliff at that point. I don't think they ever really got it back on the train. That was like the um, most dead this crowd was all night. Like for yeah. like people think you can't tell when a clap crowd is dead. Oh, you can tell, and it was during this match. Yeah, and like I don't know how it happened, or like if they just didn't communicate, or like it went from being like a really well built, like solid built, like um high spot fest at the front to just like kind of dissolving into ELP's AJ Styles tribute and missed <laughs> spots, and oh, it's just uh, frustrating. Really, really frustrating. And they're going to run it again. It'll be a main event in some show. They'll go 30 minutes. And it's just, it'll be, I'm not optimistic about it. I do agree with your take that this is worse than every Best of Super Junior match Hiromu had last year. Yeah. Um, Which yeah, I, guess, just, I think I said this year. I, I always forget we're now in a new year. So. Yeah. Just a f- <laughs> like, 
I thought it was okay, but it was just really, really frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I went three and a quarter because the high spots were cool, but like the stuff in between was like, ugh. Uh, Jeff, uh, as a fellow, uh, since we we didn't like ELP, it means we hate all white people. So please. I hate whites. Uh, <laughs> ELP is a great example of why. So, uh, I think ELP's offense looks like shit. I think it's incredibly choreographed and makes everyone who's in the ring with look like a total fucking buffoon. I don't know why Hiromu laid on the ropes and balanced himself for 12 minutes, waiting for ELP to taunt and do his gimmick before doing a fucking back bump on him. I get, I don't know. It looked like shit. Um, I think the rope walk for an hour looked like shit. Uh, I know everyone... I One of the... Um, People in the chat mentioned that, oh, well, ELP's gimmick is that he's a dumbass, and that's fine, but I don't know why he's on a Wrestle Kingdom <laughs> card. I mean, I want to watch him gimmick. be a dumbass. I, mean, yeah, I, I don't I see get, that as a top the card gimmick. I get, I, don't that know why. I get that he's being a dumbass on purpose. I can just not want to watch the dumbass. Well, and it's not a top of the card gimmick. Well, like, I mean, to be, fair, really to be the, fair, he's in the opener here. Well, I, but I mean, or, uh, he's not a top of the division gimmick, even. I mean, I. Why the fuck is that being pushed in a division that includes Hiromu? Yeah, man. I've heard, so, I've heard people just, say I, that the Japanese fans like it, and I, I don't doubt that that's true for some of them, probably. I mean, it seems like the kind or of. Or they fan, sounded like they enjoyed it. They didn't sound like they enjoyed this match. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I heard a lot of. I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I think the uh, heel shtick is grossly overstated. I don't think it's nearly as good as people make it out to be. I don't think he's nearly as good as people make him out to be. Yeah. And uh, I I don't know. It's, I have no fucking time I'm, for this ELP. Because I think it's the line that pissed people off. So I just give it again. It's baby's first heel. That's that's ELP in a nutshell to me. Uh, yeah. Jeff. Anyway, back to hating whites. John, I think you like this more a lot more than I did. So go ahead and tell me why ELP I mean, is great. I don't. Oh, we don't have enough time in the day for me to tell you how. Stop making me sound like I love VLP. <laughs> He's I. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want the takeaway from this to be like uh, I'm the president of the Headbanger Club, but uh, I do think ELP is pretty tight. And the reason ELP is at the top of a division that includes Hiromu is because Shingo and Will and Dragon Lee are gone, and he already got through Desperado, and there really is no one left in this fucking division. He's got Ishimori tomorrow. It's the opener of day one. It's a different kind of match, and he's going to have tomorrow. You're going to get your conventional Hiromu match tomorrow. Well, what, and... what, what, Can I just say what you said about him having no one left in the division? That's why when these people say he's not moving up to heavyweight, I think they're like out of their minds. Like, What is left for him to do in the junior division? Exactly. I mean, and it's one thing... you they. Like, I don't know where you go from here. You need to hope, like, show comes through, maybe. Uh, I want to, like, throw this in here, too. By the way, Joe Abraham in the chat says, uh, from, I guess, Super Jcast host, I don't get the double standard people shit on evil but say ELP is such a great heel. Yeah, I don't get it either, Joel. And, like, people... I got it. I'll tell you exactly why. <laughs> okay. Hmm. I'll tell you exactly why. First off, I'm not saying that ELP is a better wrestler than evil. Good, because he's not. not say that in a million fucking years i like evil i just think the shit evil's doing now is a nightmare from hell for the viewer and uh I, this is like a big wormhole we can we can get into at 8 30 in the morning and i don't think any of us want to john why but, don't you just admit you're a cop who likes whites <laughs> i don't <laughs> goodness me 
I liked whites a lot more before I was on this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. No, but here's the thing. ELP just opened this show. He's done nothing of very high stakes. His biggest match was against Rocky Romero. People hate evil because he's in the... I- Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill he's in the title he's, he's main eventing shows where you have to buy you have to watch red shoes sell more than any more any of the wrestlers do this elp stuff is low stakes he's a fun goofy heel it's fun to watch him act like a dipshit and that have hiromu drop kick him into fucking three backflips uh and you're gonna get your real hiromu match tomorrow i think this is just harmless fun i think elp is better than he's given credit for i think he gets the reactions he gets because he leans into being an obnoxious dipshit more than most people do. And if you hate it, you don't got to worry because, again, the biggest position he's ever been in was losing to Rocky Romero. Well, but he's uh, going to be running wild in this two division all year, I think. So as long as he can get in the country. I, I mean, that could be true. But again, what are you going to you're going to put put the title? I mean, once Hiromu is out of here, what are you going to do? Put the title on Despi or Ishimori or ELP? Who cares? Please. Please the first <laughs> I would rather watch Hiromu fight Ryu Lee 68 times till the fucking sun. Of course, sun we all Ryu. would. Of course, we all would. And water's wet. But you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> fucking Ryu Lee is not. I mean, when Ryu Lee comes back, I like him more than all now, these guys. Okay, here's what I will say. And I, get, I totally get your argument about Evo being in the main events and ELP not being in the main events. But. The other, the, like the alternate suggestion is like people will defend, and I think what Joel was going for here is people will defend ELP by saying, well, you know, you're not supposed to like him. Uh, you're not supposed to react, uh, you know, to, um, you know, you're not supposed to like, you're supposed to have this reaction to him. You're supposed to think he's bad. You're not supposed to like, but like why that's a defense they trot out for heels it's, it's basically the whole point is it's if you if you as as a person like ELP you will try out that defense for ELP that you're not supposed to like him but then evil who you're also not supposed to like never gets that defense because uh, you know somehow evil and Dick Togo is some uh, crime too big of a crime against work rate or whatever the fuck it's just a total that's, that's the thing. it's just a I total double a, standard I don't think they do the same thing at all people don't people always loved evil. And they still want to love Evil. The problem they have with Evil is that he fucked all his matches up and he made them unbearable to watch. And by the time he had a good one, the Power Struggle one, the Power Struggle one was fun in the way like a 90s WWF match was. It was a blast. But I couldn't enjoy it because I was already so fucking mad they made me watch that match so many times. Uh, And it was a nightmare. And they had the same match over and over and over. And ELP, even if you hate him... Who gives a shit? Go get a drink and his match is over. I understand. I, 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 <laughs> what you're saying is what understand. Evil did wrong was he had good matches first and then he fucked up, whereas ELP... No, I'm saying, Evil, I'm saying Evil fucked up over the course of 40-minute matches and the top of cards over and over I, all year. Right, I get that yeah. argument, but I'm, all I'm saying is if you're gonna if you're gonna say that a heel, uh, you know, getting he is a defensible, you know, a reason to defend them, 
I mean, just like you should be more consistent. That's all I'm saying. Because I don't think it's consistent to say, you know, because clearly the idea with evil is you're not supposed to like him either, and you're supposed to want him to lose, just like with ELP. So I just don't really get why it's a defense of one of them and not a defense of the other. But I just think it's so different. I mean, because that, that's like it's like comparing ELP and Baron Corbin. I mean, even if you hate them both, you, you can't say they're doing the same thing. It's a matter of one act being different than another. I, I mean, that's why I'm not coming to you and saying he's succeeding because you don't like him. Well, a lot of I'm people. Say a lot of people fucking say that. So I don't know. Well, I'll grant you that that is that can be obnoxious. I do think it's valid sometimes, but that can be an obnoxious argument. Uh, Chris, I guess jump in here for the, for we wrap things up here. What did you think of this uh, ELP and uh, Hiromu match? I have no strong feelings about it <laughs> because the well, it, it seemed like a pre. You know, the outcome was was obvious. So when that completely takes me out of everything so i to be honest i was like setting up all my tweet threads during this match because i knew hiromu was going to win there you go okay so uh i am gonna make an executive decision that we barely have to talk about the rambo i mean it existed i mean we're almost an hour and a half here on one show so i'm just gonna say there were 21 guys instead of 22 guys for some reason it was funny when kojima it was funny that toriano uh got to be uh, you know, in the final four without actually doing anything. So it was, it was a funny ending. I thought the rainbow was good. Don't, don't, does anybody really have strong thoughts on the rainbow? They have to share. Anyone want to jump in? Yes. Okay, please, go ahead. This was either the best rainbow ever or the worst rainbow ever. I'm not really sure, and it doesn't really matter. Okay. We're all Kojima good. was number 22, and he had to go fight Kenta. Is everybody... I, 22? I, I thought this match happened last month. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> is, there, is anybody com- not coming on tomorrow? Does anybody have to do plugs before? Uh, I don't know. Is anyone not coming on tomorrow? Easy question. I'll be I'll, here. I'll come back tomorrow to apologize for all the mean stuff I said about evil today. <laughs> all right, well, everybody, <laughs> if, if anybody's coming on tomorrow, they don't got to do no plugs. So we can wrap it up. Uh, thank you to the people on the live stream listening. We had we end up with way more people jumping on here at fucking early in the morning eastern time uh so i appreciate that uh if you're listening uh to this back as a free show uh you know at the end of the week then you'll hear just a little musical interlude and we'll be back with russell kingdom 15 night two in a second uh if you are listening for the uh, as a patron uh you're gonna you just look for the link tomorrow and we'll be right back here again the moment night two goes off the air uh we'll be doing this all over again so uh, jump in and come back with us but yes thank you very much for listening and for subscribing if you are a patron and we'll see you tomorrow or we'll see you in a second if you're listening back uh, as a full podcast bye bye King of Spot New Japan Pro Wrestling magic of audio here you're listening to the second half 
of this uh, Wrestling Omakase Wrestle Kingdom 15 review, obviously for night two here. Uh, of course, we're also streaming live for the patrons, so the patrons got to hear this, you know, many days beforehand. Uh, I want to thank them, as always, for their support. Uh, you know, it's something I do not take for granted, and I'm, you know, very pleased with our uh, our patron number heading into January here. So thank you if you're a new patron who signed up for this. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, I hope you enjoy your content. I mean, plenty of stuff coming up after Wrestle Kingdom 2 with uh, a Tokyo Dome series is going to continue, which should be fun. But what we're here to talk about here is Wrestle Kingdom 15 Night 2. Uh, another really, really good show. I mean, you know, the, the big headline to me coming out of this, I don't really see how it's any anything other than, like, you know, New Japan is still good, <laughs> basically. Like, should be the headline coming out of this, because this was like a... I mean, you know, especially given my expectations going in, uh, you know, for what a a pandemic era, you know, COVID era Tokyo Dome would look like. I mean, this these, these two shows blew me away. I mean, I just don't think there's really anything negative to take away from it at all. Um, you know, I thought they did an excellent job. I thought, you know, there were tons of great matches. I mean, there were so many awesome matches in these two shows that I think you could, you know, like reasonably find like five or six different people who watch them all and they'll, they'll have like a very different top five and again it's only 12 matches you know unless unless somebody has the rambo in there uh so you know just a really really they did an outstanding job here the atmosphere was nowhere near as bad as i feared it would be so i mean that to me it's the big headline here at the end of night two just two outstanding shows uh new japan really flexing their muscles and uh you know showing that there's, there's still the best in ring wrestling promotion in the world uh, despite some very notable doubters at the end of uh, last year. Uh, Jeff, I'll start with you. Would you say the Dynasty is, in fact, not dead? Uh, yeah, I would say the Dynasty is still alive and thriving. Uh, I, While I had issues with the booking this year, I never thought the Dynasty was going down. Uh, I just... That's a bit of a stretch. Um, boy, howdy. Did some people just take a fucking L? <laughs> <laughs> Just a humongous L. Yeah, this was a fantastic series of shows. Uh, Chris, I'll get a second opinion. Is the Dynasty dead? Chris? Do we lose Chris? Okay. Uh, Liam, second opinion. Hey, wait, I'm here. Oh, okay. Chris, go ahead. (laughs) Is the Dynasty dead, sir? (laughs) Is the Dynasty dead? (laughs) Um, I don't have to answer that. You know... The world knows my opinion. The Dynasty is not dead. New Japan is great. Uh, pro wrestling is awesome. That may be the extent of my enthusiasm, uh, as I'm very tired, but uh, yeah. no, the Dynasty lives. There you go. Uh, Liam, we'll make a, can we make a three for three on the Dynasty being not dead? John, um, so my leg is broken in eight places, and my heart is broken in more, so I'm unfortunately going to have to disagree and say... <laughs> As of the main event, the, the dynasty is dead. There you go. All right, so we have Sorry. we uh, we're a marketplace of ideas here on wrestling Mikase, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> Ito probably broke his leg and his heart. So. <laughs> there you go, uh, John. What do you, you you can you can either tie it up here or actually no, it's still be three to two, so your vote is meaningless, sir. What was your was the dynasty? <laughs> well, dead? I'm used to the feeling of my vote being meaningless. <laughs> um, no, I mean I never thought New Japan like fell into the toilet i just thought they had a couple bad title matches which i'm realizing now to the listener they'll have just heard my rant about six minutes ago 
So I want them to know <laughs> that I took a nap and I'm doing much better now. <laughs> well, yeah, because the last, yeah, if, if people listening back to the free episode, yeah, the last thing they'll hear is you uh, yelling about ELP or whatever and evil. So, I don't even think I ended up talking about ELP. Yeah, it's more about evil. Yeah. yeah. So today I'm going to use evil's match to talk about ELP. There you go. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, no, I think um, I get like concerns about like the direction and the top of the card changing, but I think. Uh, Today's show especially, even more so than last night's, put New Japan in a really good place. Uh, I think there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, and, uh, no, the dynasty is not dead. There you go. Uh, let's get into the review here, since I am also very tired. Uh, the main event, Kota Ibushi defeating Jay White in 48.05 with the, Kamigo- the Kamigoe, becomes the new longest match in Tokyo Dome history. It breaks the record set by... Uh, Kazuchika Okada and the gamer Kenny Omega uh, but yeah so Abushi retains the title makes his first successful defense of both belts um, obviously that's the headline I, th- so this this match I think you know I have seen opinions on this all over the board I mean the voice wrestling slack there were people who had this like five stars match of the year I mean this is you know uh, the best one of the best matches I ever saw there were people who said you know it was awesome, but not quite at that level. And I think that's where I landed. Um, you know, my, my star rating here before and a quarter. I mean, you know, my problem with it was very similar to Okada Ibushi last year, where it just felt like the first 15 minutes dragged a lot for me. And like, you know, 10 minutes in, I actively did not like it. And like any match where I, you know, can have a memory of just not actively liking a match, it's never going to be a match I'm going to be able to go five stars on. But, like, everything after the 15-minute mark, you know, especially everything after the 20-minute mark, um, you know, really picked up. story they told was great, you know, Jay White, you know, working over this guy uh, who, you know, just, you know, really, like, just working over this guy who, like, you know, came in, uh, you know, tired from the previous night and, you know, dominated for a while was good. I, you know, the if the, the early part of it could have been a little more interesting, maybe. I, you know, just his heat segment just did not grab me at all. But, you know, the other little minor complaint I would have with it, too, is they, they did a lot of work to set up a leg submission, uh, which I guess... Does he still call it the TTO? You would, you would know, Liam. Is it, the it changes depending on the opponent. Okay, so I so, guess it would be the ITO here. Yes. Uh, which, you know, that, that stuff was good, but also, like, they... You know, he did the few dragon screws to set it up, and then it felt like we never really went back to that again, uh, you know, before they, they went back to it towards the end. It just felt a little, like... I don't know. It felt like we was missing something, either more leg work or more leg selling, at least, from Coda to make that kind of stand out to me a little more. But, you know, the entire... These are, like, picking out flaws of the match I thought were awesome. And I'm sure there's a couple people here that are going to say it's even more awesome than I thought. So that's where I'm at. I have four and a quarter. Um, you know, it's like my... I, I rank these. It's like my fourth favorite match of the two nights, uh, which is not, again, not an insult in this match. Just I thought these were two fucking awesome shows so uh yeah that's where i'm at with this a really really awesome match that uh i'm quite sure other people have even higher than i do because it just dragged a little bit for me at times uh i'll start with you chris what did you think of kota ibushi and jay white i like wavered on it i like it, there was there were certain points where i was like what are we what are we doing here where are we where are we going and like uh, the the jay white working the leg thing for me is always about the kamigoye 
and and like they they've told that story in, in the in the past in one of the three matches they've had too and it worked for him so um but ultimately like as the match progressed the the pacing was such that like you i kept thinking we were headed into the finish and and it it didn't end and it would go through another kind of kind of like you know cycle and it, I think they did a really good job pacing a match that they, for whatever reason, went really long on. And, you know, by the end of it, I was convinced that it could go either way and that all of a sudden Jay White could snap out of, you know, the haze he was in or Ibushi could, um, you know, put it all together and and, and, and then the match. And, you know, for me, anytime a match is in question like that, that's when I get really invested, obviously. So um, I loved it. I thought it was great. I didn't mind the time so much. I didn't notice it until the 25-minute call, honestly. Um, you know, I think most Jay White matches start about the same with the same similar pacing. So that didn't it, – it wasn't even really jarring for me. But then once they went past, say, 35 and they hadn't even, like, teased a big finish, I it felt like it was going to go really long, and, and it did. Um, but I think it worked for it. I think they, they did a, a good job – um, pacing it out if if this was the the goal that they wanted. Uh, Want to jump in, Liam? I know obviously you're heartbroken that uh, Jay White couldn't get the win. I remember him like reaching for those belts at the end of the match, like for the long for probably the rest of my life because that yes. was such a great yes. character moment by him. Yeah. Like he's just like, but I'm supposed to have them; they're supposed to yeah. be mine. Yeah, just a great moment. So I feel so I have to take an L here, obviously, because I called Jay winning this match, so that obviously didn't happen, and I actually don't mind that. Um, I remember going to Dash three years ago after that Tanahashi match at Wrestle Kingdom and wearing a Switchblade shirt, like the original before Chaos Switchblade shirt. And some guy, some British guy came up to me kind of drunk. And he was like, what are you doing wearing that dork's shirt? <laughs> and I was like, you know, in, in you know, that accent. And I, t- I basically very calmly told him, like, in five years, this guy will be main event of the, the Tokyo Dome and he will be outshining everyone on the card. And I might take an L on the... Um, you know, the result of this match, but I take a W on predicting that. This is one of the best matches I've ever seen. Um, I thought the pacing was incredible. I thought the performance from both Abushi and White were outstanding. Um, I thought, like, I'm going to gush about White a little bit. I thought he came in here and took absolute control of this massive building and was the absolute star of this match. He, His execution of moves, his charisma, his character work, his gradual realization that he's not going to win this was just fucking outstanding um i'm so proud of him and i am a little sad that this is probably the end of this arc for him the leg um, the leg hold especially when he's like just screaming at him and going like get why why would you just tap out the belts are mine yeah really really good character work from him that is for sure yeah so i am just blown away by this performance and blown away by bushi's performance as well i'm blown away by this match by this match uh, Jeff, uh, you were also very, very high on this, so go ahead and what did you think of the match? I went the full five. So, uh, I think it's genuinely wrong to give an opinion about a match any level of moral force. Uh, with that being said, anyone under five on this is wrong and bad, and I refuse to debate it beyond <laughs> sticking my tongue out at them and saying they're wrong like a donkey. I, I'm not doing This match fucking ruled. Uh, Jay, to me, feels like the modern evolution of an 80s territory heel, which... I borderline fetishized. <laughs> so, uh, that's just the kind of match I like. This was had, for me, it was like the perfect pacing for what I expect from a main event. Um, 
these two have fantastic chemistry and that Jay uh, really plays with the idea of momentum a lot. And he is constantly cutting off Ibushi in this match when Ibushi starts to get ahead. And th- the way they played with like the normal formula of a New Japan match where, like Chris had mentioned, uh, they made you think they were going to the finish and then they didn't. And they just continued to like add layers to the match. There were sections of the match just they continued to stack on top of one another, and you couldn't really tell when it was going to go to the finish uh, because they teased something like that so many times. Uh, while this was long, and I usually dislike that about a New Japan match, this was done in a different way that stuck out. And I, if this is what I could expect from a New Japan main event going forward, I don't give a fuck how long it is. It was great. Uh, yeah, and and I guess you don't give a fuck about interference either because I had a lot of that. Nope. Okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. For, I want to get that on the record because you know I, I was told uh, repeatedly that interference is like you know the devil and destroy New Japan. Bad interference sucks, but I uh, I I have always maintained that interference when done. So I like Raven, right? Like I like Aven, Raven's ECW run. The reason is the interference in his matches was uh, well choreographed. Uh, I thought Evil's interference stuff was a little bit lazy, but I think people are also probably stretching it with him a bit. It was never really the issue with the matches for me. It was a part of the problem, but people who made it like, oh, interference has killed New Japan. Just get the fuck up the street. I mean, they've been doing it since fucking 2013. I mean, that's been my whole thing with this. It's just like, they, there's, a, there's a spot in this match where Gato gets up on the apron to distract uh, Kota Ibushi when he's about to do the Phoenix Plus to J- Phoenix Plus to Jay White that is literally lifted from a match from five years ago. Right. So they've been doing this long enough to do a spot that's a callback to another Ibushi title match from five fucking years ago, and people are acting like this is some kind of new development. Well, and I so mean, the other, th- so the other thing for me with the with the interference is. Oh, in a lot of promotions like WWE, if somebody interferes, they never get their comeuppance. They just don't. That's true so, too. That's... So Gato, reasons... Gato got destroyed here with Abushi with a huge smile. That always happens. The Ibushi... same thing happened to the Tanahashi match. Gato well, same... came in, he got the shit smacked out of him, and then Tanahashi rolled up Jay. Like I mean, Dick Togo got destroyed too. I'm yeah, sure. I, mean, I mean, yeah, it's true. It's always building to that. It's always building to some babyface payoff. They don't just do heat and then laugh about it and go on about their lives. I mean, not with, with their baby faces. With AJ Styles doing it, it was building to Red Shoes, telling the entire Bullet Club to suck it. And setting them off the back so he could lose the title. And and they did the same thing with Jay White in the G1 Climax with Fubushi. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think for all the talk about long-term storytelling in New Japan, you'd think these people would have some fucking patience. Uh, but Nobody has any patience, I guess. I don't know. Um, and then my <laughs> only other comment on this is... And by the way, I, I'm part of that, too. I'm not going to like pretend I didn't have reservations. I absolutely was impatient with some of the shit, but it was more about match quality than it was... That, anyway, um, I think Jay losing was actually the best outcome for him. Well, he's gonna uh, turn, I, I think he gets. Does he get hit down a bullet club tomorrow? Anyone want to throw that take out there? <sighs> yes. Yep, yeah. He's done. Yeah. He's I, gone. I think yep. he gets kicked out tomorrow. It's, it's like, I think he's gone. Yeah. I, I think he had to win this. And like one of the things I was thinking was like, if they go to a draw here, does he still get kicked out but not get the job done? The, the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause is Evil did lose too. So maybe they both go like, well, you lost, well, you lost. So they do like another month of like the two of them, you know, fucking both trying to say they're the leader of Bullet Club. But then, I mean, if they do that, I mean, it's happening in like 
Like it'll happen. It'll just happen. The new beginning tour instead. In other words, like, it, it's absolutely it's happening. It's definitely yeah. coming. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but what I do hope, and I so a lot of people want Jay White to become a white meat baby face. I don't want that. I want him to become like a cunning kind of. He's a joint ally. I mean, he's a joint ally Jay. Oh God! <laughs> don't don't give me hope. He's a joint ally Jay. He and Naito are like he and Naito have this weird chemistry, and he would, be, he would be great. And like, uh, they're like the, they're like the shit eating faces, and he would be the the shit eating grin face. I mean, okay, but are you comfortable with Naito moving down the card in that case? Because he's absolutely doing that. No, I mean they're gonna be they would be like co leaders. I don't know. <sighs> I don't. I haven't seen. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. But, well, okay, look, I'm I'm putting this out there again. If people still doubt me, Naito does not go backstage yesterday and say I am main eventing the Tokyo Dome again. If he's not made event the Tokyo Dome again, he just would not do that. He's absolutely so, yeah. I don't think they'll actually team, but I or maybe they do in some. I don't. I don't, I don't actually think Jay White's going to join LJ. I'm making no. I make no. a joke, but I think. But I think they could team. I absolutely think they could team. Anyway, like once. The in point. Some kind of... Anyway, the point is, uh, I do. They're either turning on Jay tomorrow, or they're turning on Jay at the end of New Beginning. So. I agree. Uh, okay, John, you haven't gotten to say anything yet. So, anything about the match? Or what are we else? talking about again? Talking about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, what happens when you have when you have four guests? You know. Uh, yeah, no. Um, I, I I thought it was interesting that you brought up Abushi and uh, Okada from last year, because while that similarly had was losing me in the first 10, 12 minutes, uh, the reward in Abushi and Okada for me was like ten molten incredible minutes. And this grabbed me for like 30, 35 straight where I was just completely gripped. And uh, this match, I thought, like took a lot on its back and succeeded. Um, like the stuff with like Jay standing up to, you know, psycho murder Ibushi and not backing down and just getting dropped over and over and then being frustrated on the outside and screaming while he's throwing him into the rails. It did a lot for like establishing Ibushi as the scary champ and just building this character that's going to become that's going to it's going to develop into a face turn for jay and uh just like huge match uh it was really fun just to see him get mad because he never gets mad about anything really so like to get see him get that angry and screaming fuck you and like throwing him back and forth was really cool yeah uh i think again i like liam said before i think like jay was the star of this match uh I mean, Ibushi was great, too. By the end, you know, Ibushi came off like a world-class champ, and I'm excited for that reign because of how the night ended. But uh, I thought Jay was tremendous. Um, and I also thought Jeff said something that I wish I'd just said a bunch of times whenever this topic came up. Uh, good interference is good, and bad interference is bad. What a simple concept. <laughs> what a neat little sentence that I wish I'd said a long time ago. So at the... Uh, yeah... Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I thought you were done. Oh, no, no. I mean, I just, well, I was going to say, like, even in this match, like, when Gato came in, I thought that was a little dicey, only because of how late in the match it was. But I thought they handled that neatly. And, uh, you know, I thought this match just kept escalating and escalating and escalating in a way. Like, I couldn't, every time I thought I was worn out, it would escalate just a little more. Um. And I guess uh, I was going to circle back to the Gato running, uh, talking about that. But yeah, I don't know. I like the match a lot. I think uh, there's not much more I could say that everyone else didn't already cover. 
All Did right. you go five or are you a coward? No, I'm a total coward. I can't, I couldn't go five. You I fucking try, I coward! I gotta preserve uh, these fives. I only got I so many fives in the bag, you know. I knew you hated <laughs> what, So what did you, did you win four and three quarters? I don't know. Four and three, four probably four and three. Like when when the match was over, I didn't know how to how to star rate it. You know, yeah, like, I didn't know either. I was going back and forth. But I, I like think to... it's it's sticking. It feels like it's going to stick with me in a real big way. Like for so. me, I just didn't. I just didn't like it as much as the four and a half star matches from this, these two shows, so I didn't think I should give it four and a half. That's why I went four and a quarter. But uh, you know, it's all fucking bullshit anyway. Who cares? But let's right. the other the other thing uh, at the end of the show, of course, uh, is Sonata coming out to challenge Ibushi. Now everybody freaked the fuck out about this because, of course, they did. I'm going to make two big points here that I would like you to uh, you, the listener. Uh, if you're one of these people freaking out about Sonata, which I'm, you're probably not because you have good enough taste to listen to Wrestling Omikase. But uh, <laughs> let's just, you know, let's pretend for a second you're one of these people who's freaking out about uh, Sonata. First of all, you, if you're paying attention, he said he was going to challenge the winner, uh, whoever walks out the double titles, if he beat evil about 500 times. Uh, that may be that may be un, like understating it. Like he said that a whole bunch of times in a bunch of interviews, and I think he put it on Instagram. Like he was very he may as well have taken out a fucking skywriter over Tokyo that said I will challenge the dome winner. Yeah, but uh, like I know the planet's doomed to global warming. That doesn't make it any less bad news, right? Anyway, well that's <laughs> that's number one. But people acted people acted shocked, John. So that's that's what I'm dealing with. First of all, it's like. If you didn't know Sonata was challenging here, you weren't paying attention. He said it very over and over and over again. And, you know, he had a very easy, it's a very easy explanation. He beat a former double champion twice in a row. He thinks he deserves a title shot. Makes perfect sense. Second off, you're complaining. He's fucking challenging for fucking new beginning in Hiroshima or new beginning in Nagoya. Who gives a shit? Like, people are acting he- like, I assume, I don't know, unless they're going to do a New Year Dash tomorrow. That were your, no, that I, was your... think, I was thinking they've got those two Osaka Joe four shows, right? Special. But I they have two tours though, so I I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I I I assumed, you know, because they have three shows here, uh, yeah, you know that they have to have a title defense on one of those three, especially mm. when they, they don't have that many belts. I mean, I just figured Sonata is going to be a challenger for one of those new beginning shows, and they have a whole other tour for Castle Attack with its own road two shows. So you know, I I assume they'll have another challenger for Castle Attack. That's my that's my assumption. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, he's challenging. Probably, he's probably challenging for fucking new beginning. I mean, look, the man has challenged for new beginning before. I mean, this is not that big a deal. It's not like it's uh, you know, like new beginning challenger isn't really not that big a spot. You know, it's not like this is some fucking. It's not the fucking main event Dominion. Like I hate to tell you, so. Yeah. But how many times can Sonata lose? <laughs> well, that's a different that's a different discussion. That's yeah, different... well, but that's evidently quite that's a part lot. of the concern. I mean, um, I think he could win. I think he could win too. Okay, well, that you guys can put that take out there. I don't. I, I would give him like zero point zero percent chance, but uh... I think it's a small percent chance. But I think he could absolutely win. Okay, um, new beginning. Like they've done two rocket pushes to the main event and new beginning four. So there's no reason why they couldn't do it for a third time. And evil was the double champ, like oh, three months ago. No, that's fair. I just, I, you really think they're gonna give Ibushi a one? Like, okay, if I they absolutely were, don't think he's winning. If they were gonna give Ibushi a one month reign, like if if Will Osprey came out to challenge him, I'd be a little more worried because that seems like the kind of thing they would do. They're not gonna have another baby face 
beat a babyface to start their big babyface title reign. Like, I don't know. Unless he's hurting, I guess it's possible. But it just, it seems very weird to be like, hey, you waited for Kota Ibushi to win the double titles. Uh, now Sanai's going to beat him in a month. Like, it seems like you, they usually try to avoid doing that kind of thing to, um, you know, avoid having the Ibushi fans, like, resent Sonata, right? So that's why uh, I don't fuck, think this. Fuck the Ibushi fans. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's what I... Yeah, they got their shot. They're like the Naito fans now. You won your okay. title. Just eat shit now. <laughs> I'm giving I'm giving the explanation why I don't think it's going to happen. But anyway, uh, you know, I think Ibushi... I don't think Ibushi will be a long champion. I mean, it's just, you know, he, we went over this in the DET episode. He, he never really is. Um, you know, I think he'll either lose a castle attack or he'll lose in a, in a Sakura Genesis. Uh, but I don't know, just not, I, I just don't see him losing to Sonata at New Beginning. I think he'll, you know, I think it's going to go to Will Ospreay next, which people are going to love, but I think that is, I think Castle Will Ospreay. The Empire? Yeah, I think Will Ospreay is going to win the titles, get that little heel, establish the belt reign, but that's just, uh, it's not what I want to happen, for the record, it's just what I'm predicting, so before anybody tries to cancel me. Uh, anyway. <laughs> but anything else about this main event or Sonata challenging or anything else before I move on? No? Okay. So let's go to the semi-main event, which is for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. Hiromu Takahashi defeating Taiji Ishimori in 25-31 with the Time Bomb 2. Uh, Hiromu becomes the 88th Junior Heavyweight Champion. The, his third reign with the belt, I think. or four, Is it fourth? I don't even know. Fourth. It is fourth. Okay, there you go. Uh, but yeah, this was uh, this was another fucking incredible match. I mean, just really, really awesome stuff here. Um, you know, the first ten minutes were, were really good. Like had all that kind of wild stuff you'd expect. Uh, you know, the the room would like hitting this enormous German suplex to counter a handstand attack from Taiji, which I think he's done before, but it always looks great. And then Ishimori comes back with this Canadian destroyer out of nowhere. But the the match like really went to another level when Ishimori just starts fucking pummeling Hiromu with these elbow shots. Like, he's screaming, which is, like, echoing through the dome, which is, like, another example of where the unique atmosphere actually worked to their advantage, where you would not have that much of an echo with a normal crowd that's able to react like normal. Uh, he's just like, fuck, it's just, the entire thing just looked brutal. Uh, you know, Hiromu is just, like, collapsing, uh, and then, he, like, Ishimori just won't let him be it wasn't like an elbow exchange. He wouldn't let Hiromu do anything. Just kept rocking him with these elbows. Uh, you know, finally, like, does his last sliding elbow. Hiromu's selling like he's completely out. And he's one of the best in the world at doing that. So that, that's obviously great. And then Ishimori goes to the, you know, back to the shoulder that he, uh, you know, he targeted and won the uh, the match with at, uh, you know, back at Jingu. And it all sets up him getting the, the Mystica into the Yes Lock. Um, you know, he goes for the, uh, they get that stranglehold, the bone lock, I think it's called again, too. Uh, but Hiromu finally makes his big comeback and, uh, hits the running Death Valley driver to the exposed corner, uh, hits the time bomb, Ishimori kicks out too. They do a big counter sequence at the end and Hiromu gets out of the yes lock again and then counters the bloody cross into this, like, almost even more, like, uh, like faster or high angle victory royale than... He normally does, and then hits the time bomb too for the win. Uh, yeah, I thought this was so fucking awesome. I went four and a half on this. Uh, not as good as their best of Super Junior 2018 final, 
a little better than the Jingu match I thought, which I also loved. But yeah, these these two just have amazing chemistry. They just always they never uh, you know they never go out there and have anything other than an awesome match. Uh, and I this was I this was my match of the night. I think I mean it's really close between this and another match we're going to talk about. But I, I love this match, so this is the one I'm going with. I think. Uh, John, I'll start with you this time. What did you think of Hiromu and Ishimori? I was saying before this match started that even though I know these two always hit when they're together, it's hard to get excited for May because all this, you know, all the hype when these two are together comes from that 2018 match. But ever since then, Ishimori has felt less and less relevant. Um, his last title reign felt like it was just a way to get the belt off of Kushida. Uh, and, you know, when he won the belt this time, I, like, gasped when he won in Jingu. It made no sense to me. It felt like he'd been downcycled for so long. And I guess that speaks to what I was saying last night about how there's not a lot left in that division when you've lost so much talent in it. But uh, that said, like, Ishimori still rules whenever he's in there with Hiromu. This match, the way... So the Jingu match, I loved how it was just a sprint. It was the junioriest match you could have. And this one, being so different, made me love... Even love the Jingu match and... Uh, retroactively even more than I did uh, like the 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 way the tone shifted when Ishimori starts blasting him with those elbows was so sick uh, it ruled and just con- like I said uh, the big thing for me was the way it balanced off their last match which I also loved uh, killer match uh, Jeff what did you think of this one uh, so I'm actually the low man on it it's my least favorite four star match of all time because it like so on a personal level, uh, it just does some things that I dislike out of matches. Uh, I thought Hiromu running into the same elbow for what seemed like five minutes, just over and over, uh, was kind of... I get that he's crazy, but it went from crazy to just, okay, he's just being dumb. Uh, and while like I thought the spot was cool because it was stiff and that's kind of up my alley, I just... I don't know. I didn't care for that as much as I people did, and I thought him running into it, and then they were, they had that great sequence following, and I thought it would have been a great finish. I thought that could have been the finish, um, and then it wasn't, and then it went, and then it went, and I that great section there in the middle just kind of lost impact for me. Um, and I know that that happens in a lot of matches now, but it's just if I watch you elbowed in the face forty six times, I feel like that can be a suitable finish um i also did i i didn't like the ramp spot where hiromu like took five minutes walking up the ramp to do a drop kick just that kind of stuff doesn't land for me um but obviously the work in the match was fantastic i mean these two are great in ring got you know workers so uh, i thought the work itself was fine i just from a psychology standpoint some of it didn't land with me uh what do you think liam um I have, like, no hyperbole or no, like... I actually, like... I really like this match, but I have very little to say about it. Ishimori put in a ton of effort, which she doesn't always do. Um, Hiromu is Hiromu. Um, I thought this was very good. I don't think it was a patch on the Korokuen Best of Studio Final, which will probably never be topped by these two. Um, these two need to not touch for a while now. Like, get them away from each other. Um, Hiromu called out someone in the post-match, which is interesting. But, um, oh, who do you call in, like, out? The backstage interviews. I uh, called out Show. Oh. Well, yeah, Show did beat him in the best Super Junior. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. that's the next match, which I'm like, yeah. eh, eh. Um, I, I love yeah. the best Super Junior match, so I got no problem with that. Yeah. Okay. I, I will decline to comment over that. <laughs> but um, 
Uh, yeah, I, I thought this was a very good match, and I really have nothing more to say about it. Uh, okay, Chris, I guess, what would you think here of Hiromu and <laughs> I guess. Similarly, oh, <laughs> similarly I, 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 was trying to go, I... I was trying to go through my head. I'm like, am I doing the order right? Is it, <laughs> is it going back and forth? But... Um, similarly, I, I liked it a lot, but I, I don't have a ton to say about it. I do like Hiromu trying to speak a junior main event at the Tokyo Dome into existence. Um, that that's something that sounded like he was shrieking about after uh, on his way back to down the aisle. So I, I would love that. Um, I don't know who would be against though. I don't know that the division has enough, uh, you know, a challenger hot enough to, to make any sense of that, but well, uh, they, go ahead. Sorry. No. Yeah. What's up? I was just, just going to say they have a main event junior now. Um, the same main event junior who made event at Budokan. That would be the main event, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> we, will, we will see. We will see when this main event junior gets the main event at the Tokyo Dome. Won't we? I see what you're doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. There might be something to squeeze out there, though. But yeah, I mean, match was match was great. I love junior heavyweight wrestling. I love Hiromu. I love Taiji Ishimori, to be honest. And um, you know, because I'm that guy, this is the this was the longest junior heavyweight uh, title match in Tokyo Dome history. Oh wow! And one, one of the one of the longer. The, uh, ever to be perfectly honest, really, 20, over, 25 31 over 25 yeah that that's a lot wow you would have think like liger would have had some long ones or something or i mean i guess you would have thought osprey and Hiromu would have gone longer than that last year so but what they oh uh, yeah where'd they go i think they were 24 yeah. so i mean they're about the same but um yeah a lot some longer matches on a shorter card i guess so that may, that kind of adds up yeah uh, match number four was Sonata defeating Evil in 2340 with a moonsault. There's uh, <laughs> a lot to say about this, so I'm going to try to be a little brief because I don't want to go an hour and a half again today. Um, first of all, if it's been six months of these COVID-era shows, if you still cannot tell or pretend not to tell, I think, in a lot of cases, when, this cra- when the crowds are into matches and when they're not into matches... Like, I don't know what to tell you at that point. Like, there's very obvious cues. I mean, if they clap way louder, that's a cue. If they're making audible reactions of any kind when they're not supposed to, that, you know, that's a clue. Um, I mean, it's really not that hard to tell, honestly. I mean, sometimes they're into it and sometimes they're not. It's just, you know, they're if they go a long time without clapping, they're probably not that into it. Um, they were into this match. And I saw people with the take that they weren't. And... Again, there is nothing wrong with you, the listener. If you thought this match sucked, if you think Evil and Sonata suck, that's fine. You don't have to. You don't have to project your opinion onto these uh, seven thousand eight hundred, whatever the fuck it was, Japanese people in the Tokyo Dome. You know, it's fine if they like this match and they like these wrestlers, and you don't. You know, there there is lots of stuff that I watch. Uh, and have watched over the years that gets a huge reaction to the live crowd that I can't fucking stand or that's fucking terrible. It I never crossed my mind to be like, well, you know, this this whatever this thing I hated just wasn't that over. It's like no, these two guys are over, and this match was over, and you know, you you, you can just admit that you don't have to you know make shit up and pretend that you know they weren't over just because you didn't like them. I mean, your opinion and their opinion does not have to be the same. It's fine. That's the first thing I wanted to say. Uh, second thing I wanted to say, this match ruled. I mean, I thought this was really good. Um, you know, I went four stars on it, four stars flat. Um, 
you know, I mean, I guess it, like like we keep saying, if you were expecting rings, you know, I'm sure you were disappointed. But like uh, knowing what it was going to be going in, I thought they they did about the best job they could have done with it. I mean, just uh, you know, the the action was really good. I just you know, all all the stuff they did was really good. Uh, you know, Sonata had a really nice, uh, you know, Tiger suplex hold at one point. Um, you know, they were doing the, the finisher trading stuff looked good. Um, you know, the, the run-ins were, were timed really well with Dick Togo. And it led to, like, a great spot where, like, uh, well, great slash kind of funny. Where Dick Togo, like, does an elbow, basically elbow drops a table when he collides with Evil. Uh, and like falls backwards and just crashes through this table, which is again one of those spots I'm going to remember for for a very long time, and a great example of them paying off, like we talked about earlier. Uh, you know, the, the heels getting their comeuppance there. Um, but yeah, and then Sonata takes advantage of that with a O'Connor roll and almost beats Evil just like he did the G1, which which was a great great near fall. And but Evil comes back with this awesome lariat, which you know he I, I like it when he reminds people he can still do that kind of stuff. Uh, but then Sonata comes back by hitting the evil on evil, you know, hits the STO on him, hits this big pop-up TKO, and then follows that up with a moonsault for the pin. And the crowd, again, to my original point, they break the COVID protocols to react to that finish in case you somehow still think Sonata's not over, this match isn't over. Uh, yeah, this was awesome. I went four stars. I mean, it was goofy at times, so I get, you know, if, like, if somebody else tells me they didn't like this match, I totally get it. If you just don't like these two guys and you can't stand the spoilers choker and, you know, Dick Togo elbow dropping through a table, I get it. But I thought this was great. I had a blast with it. And, you know, I couldn't go lower than four on a match that I enjoyed pretty much from start to finish. Uh, John, I guess I will start with you this time. What did you have here for Evil and Sonata? Do you want so El any, Fantasma, more, right? any more Evil rants? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a couple deep breaths before I start. I drank some water. <laughs> now, uh, I like this match a lot, um, believe it or not. Because uh, my thing with these two, uh, with Sonata and Evil, for different reasons, is the, the place I enjoy them both least is the main event. And below that, I think they're lovely. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I, I wanted this. So I was excited for this match because of, um, you know, the moment where Sonata snapped on Evil. And going into this show i was hoping this would be like a real nasty brawl between these two and it wasn't it was kind of silly you know um <laughs> as soon as like that paradox as soon as the paradise lock happened that early you knew you were just having like a fun little romp which was i think to the benefit of the show this was sandwiched between two pretty intense matches and this felt like a you know a nice like cute breath of fresh air i had a good time uh yeah, pro wrestling is allowed to be fun, you know? I mean, this was just right. a fun match. I get, I totally get that, and I, that is kind of a critique, I guess, that Sonata didn't come out here like all House of Fire like he was at the Budokan. But once I got over that, I thought the match was great, so I can't really sit here. Same, and, and I really think it was the right, in the end, it was the right choice, especially yeah. for where it was placed in the show. Um, and, you know, like, here's another, like, the way Dick Togo was used in this match, you know, it, he didn't, he didn't stretch out a, he didn't ruin a 45 minute match he popped in for a second i said during the match at this point dick togo showing up uh you know pulling a ref out and doing his own set of moves is pretty much like one of evil's signature moves at this point you just gotta yeah you know allow it to happen but here it didn't it didn't disrupt the match that bad and by the time dick togo does the elbow drop himself through the table <laughs> i watched the i watched the gift i watched the gift that like five times it was so <laughs> it was great you know i I just I was smiling and laughing. I mean, and for what it's worth, it wasn't all like, 
I thought Sonata and Evil worked hard. That yeah. one lariat you pointed out, I thought was so sick. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was good. I you know three and like a fun three and a half. It was a it was a nice little break between the two matches. Uh, it was sandwiched between. Uh, Chris, what do you think about Evil and Sonata? Uh, yeah, I'm glad that this is the approach that they took as opposed to like the the bitter grudge match, like trying to match Osprey and Okada the night before. Um, this was, you know, well done, well put together. It was the like very typical heel gets their come up in story against their former tag partner that they kind of pseudo turned against earlier in the year. Right. So this was the culmination of evil and um evil and lij really it was like the last step the last person that you know he needed to you know uh, battle with so it had a good time i like sonata um i know that's a divisive take in its own way too but i think sonata is a really good wrestler um so you know singles matches with sonata usually land with me and and this one's no different because evil also has like really good subtle comedy timing which kind of worked with the dick uh togo thing so um this was probably my favorite evil match since the turn if that counts for anything because it was just kind of fun yeah i mean i like i to me i like the evil naito power struggle match better for sure probably at least one other one but I definitely think it was up there. They, the, that Yoshihashi one he had in the G1 too. I was Zach just Saber walking Jr. back to the computer to unmute to bring up the Yoshihashi match. Yeah, Zack Saber Jr. You got it covered. <laughs> yeah, there's there he had some good ones, but I, you know I totally get it if this is your favorite because there was a you know it was a really good match. Uh, Liam, what do you think here about Evil and Sonata? So in the Jcast Discord where I usually reside during these shows, um, someone posted a Evil Sonata Wrestle Kingdom 15 bingo card. Yeah, um, I saw that. And the, bi- and the bingo card has all these like different types of bullshit that happens during these matches on it. And by the end of this match, I think it had like 12 or 13 squares <laughs> marked off. Um, and I was like, okay, okay, that, that's cool, that's cool. Um, this match had all the bullshit. Um, and sometimes, like, you know, I think the complaint about too much bullshit, like, I don't know, I don't, I don't think it's like totally valid, but... Um, I, I sometimes sometimes you gotta have a match where like the bullshit just washes over you like a wave washing you off a beach, <laughs> and you turn your brain off and you don't think like oh this is a four and a half star match or whatever it is but just like this is a fun entertaining ride I'm going on that I'm just like what's gonna happen what's the story what's you know how is our lovely hero Seiya Sonata gonna overcome and he did because Seiya Sonata is a beautiful man who overcomes all the adversity that he faces um, yeah I really enjoyed this um, I thought it was a ton of fun. Uh, I'm very curious what they do with Eel now because he's kind of a dork. Um, You're not wrong. <laughs> he's like, like, yeah, he is getting, you know, he's gonna like, at... he's gonna like kill Jay White is what's gonna happen. Yeah. That's, what, that's okay. what's gonna, that's well, why, that's... that's gonna be his moment, I guess, to get his yeah, thing. like just like, they, yeah. like probably bloody him or something. I hope so. I, well, I don't. Well, no comment. Mm. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, thought, I thought I thought this was fun. I thought this is like a fun match, um, and I think if you think. Sonata sucks. You can go kick rocks. Uh, Jeff is going to jump in here to be the, the grump now, I think. So, Jeff, what do you think about you and Sonata? Yeah, I'm going to be the Grinch. I thought it sucked. <laughs> I, I Now, look, I will say this. Uh, people who don't think the crowd was into it are just being blatantly dishonest. Uh, it's fine to say you don't like something and then acknowledge that the crowd was into it, which is what this was. I didn't like it. I don't like the fucking Paradise Lock. I hate that shit. But the crowd likes it, so... Uh, certainly not going to move it up my list because of that, but 
you know, that doesn't fucking matter. Um, I do think it's a little strange that the people who kind of pushed back against the people who are... Oh, God. Lost my headphones. Uh, people... <laughs> Uh, who are pushing back against the people who are anti-Osprey with, well, the crowd won't care. You know, they'll they'll still like them. Uh, are doing the same exact thing with Sonata Evil. I don't like them. I don't like that they're being pushed at this level right now. Uh, clearly, the crowd likes them. And uh, I just use it as an excellent opportunity to browse Twitter. So... <laughs> Uh, what are you going to do? I think no accounting for bad taste, as they say. Right. Uh, uh, <laughs> so anyway, so there you go. Uh, that's that. It's not a beat evil. Beat the double champ two times in a row. And he thus came out to challenge Ibushi, which was Ibushi, which is perfectly logical and uh, also foreshadowed. So anyway, next match, match number three, Shingo Takagi defeating Jeff Cobb in 2111 with the last of the dragon to retain the never open weight title. Uh, holy fuck, this rocked. I mean, like, Hell yeah. really, really, really rocked. I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, look, everybody knows the deal with Shingo by now. I don't think we really have to say much about him. So I wanted to point out Jeff Cobb because Jeff Cobb, like, I can't think of the last time a wrestler was on a run that was so fucking mediocre, like Jeff Cobb's run in New Japan was before joining the Empire. And, you know, had a turn. You know, made a turn one way or the other. Usually, in this case, it's heel, but made the heel turn and like instantly revitalized his run in that promotion. I mean, he has gone from being like a guy I, you know, I, I didn't actively dislike him, but just like if I was going to make a list of my favorite wrestlers in New Japan, he'd probably be like lo- pretty low tier, like right above the guys that I actively dislike, and now he's like one of you know, not, I can't say one of my favorites, but he'd be in the upper mid, you know? I mean, he he fucking killed it here. I mean, just throwing Shingo all over the fucking place. This match is just basically two big dudes suplexing the shit out of each other, larding the piss out of each other, just throwing each other all over the place. Jeff Cobb, you know, he hit this amazing pile driver on Shingo when Shingo, uh, you know, almost got counted out. Like, he basically gets him right at 19, which Shingo did a great job with that count out to you. It's just a really, really good job. And the moment he gets back in the ring, Jeff Cobb just grabs him and drills him into the mat, which is like maybe the spot of the night. Just an amazing spot. Um, You know, just, you know, Cobb even sold the leg really well when he couldn't uh, go for the pin or for the tour of the islands. Uh, Just, you know, just this, this fucking rocked, blew me away. I thought it would be really good, but I did not think it would be like, you know, uh, four and a half stars good, which is what I have it at. Uh, And Cobb is just like, just again, just incredibly, just turned his whole New Japan career around with this heel turn. I mean, he went from a guy who was doing nothing, who was going nowhere, and now he's like, you know, up there, uh, you know, toward the top of the company. Uh, but yeah, they're just a really, really, really uh, great match here. And, you know, I'm not too surprised if Shingo won, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see where the never belt goes from here. I guess I really don't have any idea. But, yeah, just an outstanding match. Uh, I guess, Jeff, we'll start with you this time. What did you think of Shingo and Cobb? Uh, this ruled. Uh, I also went four and a half on this. Um, I was not sold on Cobb when he came to New Japan. In fact, I was actually a little let down that they signed him. Uh, I was fucking wrong. Eating a humongous L here. 
this ruled. Uh, so this year, and I think it'll probably actually for the last two or three, uh, I feel like a lot of never matches feel like they are matches trying to be never matches, if that makes sense. No, so I, t- I totally, I totally get what you mean. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot, like, I don't know how many times I can watch Ishii and generic guy here, you know, Goto, Shingo, Hanari, pick your poison, uh, do forearm exchanges and run into each other really hard. Uh, everything in this match felt earned. Do you know where, do you know uh, where that, that formula jumped the shark was that Shingo Ishii match? From this year's G- from this year's G one, which is like I, I don't know, like they did too many of them in a row, and it just with those two guys specifically, and that was like, wow, I just really wanted that match to end. So, yeah, nothing against um, both guys. I mean, I love both guys, but I just I, I needed that match to end. Uh, <laughs> but um, but th- to me, everything in this match felt earned. Even the throws, they felt violent, and it didn't feel like there was any um. There was no one working with them, even like Shingo. So in the beginning, he was struggling to throw Cobb. So he used the momentum of the ropes to do a fucking Saito suplex, and that ruled. Um, this just felt like a fucking fight. This did have the... Uh, I don't know. I just... Yeah, I was really high on this match. Um, pro- I thought this was going to be my match of the night going in after it happened, actually. Uh, turned out to be my second favorite, but this fucking ruled. <laughs> Uh, and I'm sticking by my take that Cobb is still the second best member of Empire, by the way. Okay. Uh, who's the best? In-ring, uh, God. Okay, just get me canceled, why don't you, John? Yeah. Uh, in-ring, Osprey's probably still the best. But... Okay. Uh, what, do you, what do you think here, Liam? So, first, I want to note that the reason why the Never Matches have been bad recently is because Ishii is bad now. Um, <laughs> Deep pushing immediately, replacing, as I said yesterday, with Kojima, and the Never Division would be 100 times better. That um, is, folks, that is Liam McCann not speaking for the Wrestling Omikaze podcast <laughs> before you all uh, unsubscribe from your Patreon subscription. <laughs> Liam, you beautiful man, that is a brave take. Um, this fucking owned. Uh, I want these two to fight forever. I want these two to, you know, just rip the fuck out of each other and suplex each other for 22 minutes every single night for the next two years. Um, I was super impressed by Cobb's cardio here, especially. Like, the first year he was in New Japan, like, the big criticism here was, like, he was getting really blown up in a lot of his G1 matches. But he kept at an astonishing pace with um, Shingo at this point and really, really, like, upped his game. I think, yeah, like, easily his best... Um, um, New Japan match and I think Shingo I really like Shingo but I also think he can get a little rote sometimes a little formulaic and I think uh, Cobb was able to pull him out of that and pull some really interesting spots and some really interesting sort of sequences and um, I thought they were like a really really they have a, amazing chemistry um, and I want to like in summation um, I want to see these two fight for the never title like for perpetuity and Ishii can go again the bin <laughs> okay again Liam's take folks Liam's take uh, Chris Samsa, what'd you think of? Uh, I don't know why I said your last name. You're only Chris here. What'd you think of the uh, the Shingo and Jeff Cobb match? I mean, what a fun brawl! What a violent 21 minute, you know, just I mean, almost sprint, right? Like these guys just kept going. Um, Cobb looked awesome. Um, this was the match I've wanted Jeff Cobb and Shingo to have in their previous interactions and they didn't and it was it fell flat and i'll think a lot of that looking back on that was just Cobb's lack of character direction right so like now at least Cobb's got some fire under him something to fight for um and and obviously shingo is he's one of the best in the world 
and this was this was the one of the perfect Jeff Cobb matches and one of the perfect Shingo matches with like a big beefy guy. So um, I I enjoyed the hell out of it. I'm glad they didn't do a title change here too. I mean, the never is just one of those titles that gets bounced every Wrestle Kingdom. So I was just, I was half expecting just Jeff Cobb's going to win this. I had that as a preconceived notion going into it. So I was very surprised when Shingo ended up with the victory, even though I don't, I don't think he's done in this um, division by any means, but it's just, that's been the booking the past what six years yeah. the never the never title changes hands so i was just waiting for it to happen and, and Cobb looked so good that it was fine um I, I would have been totally okay with it but um when shingo pulled out the the win i was i was surprised and, and i always like to be surprised by the by the end of a match so great match these guys killed it i can't wait for them to do it again and i can't wait to see jeff cobb do this with other people too um i want to see jeff cobb's next singles run be more of this and less of the smiling Hawaiian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been it's just so much better. Such a better fit for him in New Japan. Uh, John, what do you think of Shingo and Cobb? So I've been really rooting for Jeff Cobb ever since he came in on that first G1. He seems like, always... a, he seems like a really nice guy for all. Yeah, all right. So, yeah. Uh, and I was just a fan of his work before he came to New Japan. And I'm always excited for anything that can provide new, exciting matchups in New Japan. Um, but, uh, you know, his first G1 was a bummer. And uh, who could imagine that now there'd be all five of us unanimously talking about how excited we are about Jeff Cobb. Uh, it's great. And I, I loved the first... Uh, I loved the G1 match he had with Shingo. I thought that match was great. And I loved the way that it was built around Shingo having to reckon with his size. And I loved in this match how... It began that way. It used a lot of the same spots of Shingo having to use like momentum and leverage to get Jeff off the ground. And then over time, Shingo just says, fuck it, I'm picking this guy up. And it's so it's so cool that a guy who was in the best of the Super Juniors last year, or two years ago, I should say now, uh, is hoisting up Jeff Cobb effortlessly in this match. <laughs> uh, and beyond that, like, like you guys said earlier, um, you know what you're getting with never title matches, and I love that never style match, but you can't help but get fatigued by it over time. Uh, you know, the Ishi Goto circuit and Cobb offers this neat wrinkle uh, that varies it up a little bit. And I, what you know, I love Shingo, but I was like, I don't know how much more of these never match. I'm not ready, like, I'm, I'm burnt out in these never matches. And this blew me away. Uh, it was like relentless. And I'm like, um, I think Liam said Cobb's cardio. I couldn't believe the way he kept up with Shingo. This was a Shingo paced match. And Cobb kept up. It was great. Totally like relentless match. I uh, I was begging them to stop hurting each other by the end. Real good stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay. Any, anyone else have final thoughts on any predictions about where the numbers are going from here? I have no idea. I don't really have any never predictions, but I do hope that... Uh, so while I do think Cobb in the Never Vision is a cool little thing, I really want to see him get a world title match against one, you know, whoever has the title, I guess. I think he can have a... like Him versus Naito sounds like it would own in a big spot. Cobb would be a great filler defense. A great filler yes. defense. Yes. I really want to see him with like a Bushi or Naito, one of those guys who can just bump around for him. Um, 
that would also be a great time to sh- maybe have a match that doesn't go 45 minutes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, a 25 minute match with him or night with him and uh, Bushi or Naito just sounds like it'd be great. Um, Ishii will challenge again, and I'll go to sleep. <laughs> Do you have any never prediction, Chris? Um, no, honestly, there's not there's not a ton of direction, but I wouldn't be surprised if something comes up uh, on Dash. Yeah, probably. Alrighty. I so. think with uh, the never Tanahashi for the never. That'd be sick. I think with the uh, <laughs> with the never, like Shingo holding it and hopefully getting some fresh challengers could be a real great opportunity to make that belt matter in a real sense and not just in a like internet nerds like us get excited for it sense. Uh, I was hoping it would go that way yeah, back when the... Suzuki took the belt from him. My because my yeah my fan with the Japanese fans is they don't give a shit about the never title from what I can tell. Totally, yeah. I don't get the impression the title has the only weight that title has with me is I know it'll be a good match, but I don't think the belt itself matters. Yeah. I'd like it for that belt to matter, and I think it's Shingo a, holding it for a while could help. It's a weird title with an acronym based on a like sub roster show that they were doing for a long time, and like in this fucking nightclub that doesn't even exist anymore, by the way. And then, the, like, the title, the show where the title, like, the title tournament happened, that was the final Never Show. And then they never had another Never Show again. And the titles lasted, like, fucking eight years after that. But it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's a very, like, imagine getting into New Japan in, like, 2019 and asking, like, some fan, like, what's the Never title? Like, they're going to have to explain to you all that, basically. And you're going to be like, your eyes are going to glaze over. They're probably just going to tell you it's this weird title. That's probably what they're going to say. So it doesn't, it doesn't, like, obviously represent anything, you know? So it's a very weird so, title. I just buried the Never title, unfortunately. But Yeah, real quick, do you think, so they were kind of teasing Tanahashi, Shingo, in the tag league. Uh-huh. So I and Tanahashi just beat Okan. So who actually, pinned, who else pinned Shingo? David Finley pinned him. Yeah, uh, but he's probably can't, he can't get back in the country till February. What a shame! I like David what Finley. It, I don't know why everybody hates David I Finley. I like David Finley, but I don't want a David Finley. I like David Finley, but if my options are Shingo versus Tanahashi or Shingo versus David Finley, Finley can fuck off. I don't know why you guys. So. Where, where, where do you think Shingo? You really they're really gonna feed Tanahashi to Shingo? I don't see that at all. But I could Tanahashi can't keep up. Tanahashi can't keep up with Shingo at this point. How Sorry. fucking dare you? <laughs> he will do whatever he needs to do to keep up that man. He's that man can do whatever the hell he wants. He's held together by athletic tape, hairspray, and pain. <laughs> so <laughs> he will. Well, he will so are a lot of people. Make this work. Yeah, I was going to say, some of the best wrestling of all time was brought to you by painkillers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think Tanahashi can make a match work with pretty much anyone. Uh, Shingo is included in that list. I think that match would own. I thought their exchanges and tagging were great. And you know what? Fuck it. It's happening. So. Okay. It's not happening at New Beginning. I can tell you that. Uh, I'll be sure, I'll be, uh, now, now watch it happen. Watch it down. It's happening. Now that I said that out it's loud, just so, just so somebody can come use it on me. All right, we can we can get through these next these last two matches pretty quick, I think. Uh, John, uh, you missed a match. You missed a match during the intermission. Or did I miss? That's right, you did. Naito yeah. and Kidani. Naito Kidani, baby. I mean, it, it is so fucking funny that they brought that feud back. Uh, I know. To, to, they brought that feud back to sell a smartphone game. Uh, like, like you people, there's probably people watching who don't even know, understand that whole thing. Like, that was a, a big storyline in 2016 when Naito was doing his original heel run. Uh, and like, you know, he was very mad. They even mentioned this in the first, in the first promo where, you know, they, they, 
like New Japan said they were making some crazy financial investment in Okada. I forget the exact amount. It was like, you know, two billion yen. yen. It was what? Sorry. Two hundred million yen. Okay, I was gonna say two billion yen. So I was close. Yeah. But yeah, two hundred million yen investment, which is like you know two million dollars, and yeah, it's uh, an Okada. Naito made fun of that a lot and basically insulted Kadani a lot about it and was like. Oh, since you're making the two, I know you're making the 200 million yen investment. Uh, I can't beat your boy now. And then obviously did beat him at Invasion Attack 2016 with help from Sonata during his debut. A match I was at, by the way. Uh, anyway, the, uh, but yeah, the, you know, the, the Naito Kidani feud kind of petered after that. But like, it was just a, like, when Naito won the belt, you know, he would like, he would start calling out the Kidani owner, as he called him. And, like, you know, just it was a whole big thing. So the fact that they're bringing that back four years later to sell a smartphone app is so fucking great. But, yeah, Kidani, people might not even know who Kidani is. He's, like, the, he's a Bushiro executive, basically. So doesn't have a lot to do with New Japan's day-to-day operations because there's a big controversy with that when he brought in Shibata and Sakuraba. And, like, you know, they were, like, saying he meddled with the in-ring too much, so he agreed to basically step back from that. But anyway, that's all ancient history now. It's just funny they brought it up to uh, to sell a smartphone app. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, and there was, like, no event announcements, by the way, either. I assume because they just don't fucking know what things are going to look like after March. Uh, they just reiterated that, uh, you know, because usually, obviously, we get, like, a whole big year calendar uh, at, at Wrestle Kingdom, which we did not get this year. They just, you know, reiterated that the next big show in Tokyo is the anniversary show at Budokan, uh, which, you know, they, that was already known. So no big announcements at all, really. Uh, is the uh, is the Jazzercise with Tenzan and Nagata a new thing? I think that or, is a new uh, thing, yeah. I'm loving it. That's some, that was one of my favorite things <laughs> on these shows, too. <laughs> the third, third generation, whatever the hell it was called. I don't even remember. Uh, okay, I'm, like, falling asleep here, so let me get to this next match. Uh, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Titles El Desperado and Oshinobu Kanemaru defeat Ryusuke Taguchi and Master Wado. Desperado pins Taguchi in 1320 with the Pinche Loco for their second defense. Um, I thought was, this was good. I, I don't have a ton to say about it. I thought it was a, a good match. The thing that stuck, up the, stuck out the most for me was when Taguchi did some kind of wacky move in the corner that involved like repeatedly moving Desperado's face into his ass. And this prompted Milano to say something like, that basically translates to uh, the the new ass attacks in 2021 are amazing, which I thought was so fucking funny. Like he was like Sugoi, ass attacks. Uh, but you know that's that's like the the highlight. So again, a good match. You know, Desperado ends up hitting the straight punch on Taguchi, gives him the pinche logo for the win. Uh, nothing that blew me away or anything, but like Wado didn't you know embarrass himself out there or anything like to like I think people you know acted like they were so worried about. You know, I thought he was fine, and I thought the match was good. I went like three and a half stars. You know, now I tend to say about it. Uh, I, I don't remember who I started with last time, so I think it's I think it's your turn to go, John. What did you think here? Yeah, this is just a wrestling match. I, <laughs> I like I like the people in it. You know, that sounds like I didn't like it. There's not a lot to say. I thought Watto was was cool. He had a cool dive. Yeah, the dive was really cool. What's that move he does? That uh, it was his finisher in CMLL for a while. Um, it's He's like about he, that fucking side driver thing. I can never. I don't know. Like cruci- it's almost like a crucifix, but yeah. he flips you over. I have no that, idea. That move. I always ruled. just call it. A, I always call it a side driver, which doesn't describe anything really. 
I'll, I'll use that. That sounds cool. <laughs> uh, it's called it's called the Resiente Mente, I believe. One more, one more, I'd, one more time. Uh, <laughs> Resident, Resident, <laughs> I was like, I definitely. Oh, Liam, you want to type that one in the chat for me? Okay. <laughs> I was like, I definitely, I definitely remember that. Thank you, Liam. Uh, Chris, Samson. thank you. Chris, what do you got here about the Junior Tag Team Championship? Yeah, same. Not a ton to say about it. It was a good match. Um, I Same deal. I like that they didn't just bounce the titles for the sake of bouncing the titles. I didn't think it was time for Wato and Taguchi. They seemed like just a, you know, like they, they've got history together and all that, but they don't seem like a team that should be dethroning um, uh, Kanemaru and Desperado. So I think there's more for them to do here. Hopefully lift the division up a little bit more and, and maybe keep getting Desperado on the on the shows and, and set him up for something cool as, as he kind of progresses. Yeah, I totally agree with you, by the way, because, like, you know, Despi and Kanemaru, they're in canon, the second most successful junior tag team champions of all time. I mean, they have the second longest reign ever and with their previous reign. Uh, you know, it was ended by Rapunky 3K, who were, you know, a to- oh no, wait, no, it was ended by Shingo and Bushi, which were, were, you know, that they were a very strong team. You know, Shingo was like this undefeated powerhouse, and, you know, Bushi's a former junior champion. Uh, you know, they they beat Hiromu and Bushi twice in a row, or three times in a row in the fall. It would have felt really stupid to go from them beating Hiromu and Bushi three times in a row to losing to Watto and Taguchi here at the Tokyo Dome. So I'm glad they didn't do that. I mean, I have no idea who they're going to defend against next, but I am glad they did not do that. Uh, what did you think? I get, uh, sorry, Liam. God, I'm falling asleep. Um, I know I know who they're defending against next. I think it's pretty obvious, actually. Okay. Um, who? Yeah. Um, two sleazy dirtbags from a club that we all know and love. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm talking about ELP and Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because they are literally the only other junior tag team. That's true. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Um, so my housemate, I'm living downstairs at the moment with this broken leg thing. My housemate walked in right as Taguchi was slamming his ass into Desperado's face. <laughs> and um, I've, I've never really felt more mortified watching wrestling. It was one of those, <laughs> I've got a lot of explaining to do moments. Um, but aside from that, this was a Desperado Kanemaru junior tag match, which means it rules. Um, and I thought... Um, Wato and Taguchi both acquitted themselves really well out there. Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. What did you think here, Jeff? Well, unfortunately for you, I have a 20-minute parable prepared for this oh, match. Oh, God, please. Jeff, I, w- I will pass <laughs> I don't, out. I don't, I don't, I don't. Okay. I, it, was, I, it was a match that happened. I don't know. I don't have any strong feelings about the match itself. Uh, my, I wish my, adren- was- my adrenaline my adrenaline is wearing off and now I'm just like oh yeah I slept four hours in the past like two days so yeah uh, I, I I wish better things for Despy that's yeah. it that's- uh, well, he's, I don't know why does everybody act like being one half of the Junior Tag Team Champions is nothing I mean it's not nothing I think it's because the division is the division like they're cool they're a team and Rapongi is a team but I, I don't. I don't remember them ever. I don't remember the, the the tag teams feeling so like thrown together and scattered, even in that division, as they do now. I feel like there was always at least two like teams that were cool and were exciting. Yeah, in that I guess. I'm just steal- I'm just stealing this theory, but I don't think Gato actually knows the junior tag team division exists. I just think they walk out there, and he's just like, "Oh, they're out." Uh... 
I have a feeling Gato knows that that division exists. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're thinking of Noah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, match number one. I, he, many thoughts about this, I'm sure. The provisional KOPW 2021 Toriano defeats Bushi uh, in 734 by pinfall to become the provisional KOPW 2021. Uh, now, people were like, I saw people on Twitter be like, why is... Uh, Yano now go back to having a tiny trophy. You see, he won the big trophy for being the final KOPW 2020, and he gets to take that trophy home, presumably. He can put it in his fucking sports bar in Tokyo that he actually shoot owns. It's not a gimmick. He has a fucking sports bar in Tokyo, very very close to Corken Hall. You could, you could walk there and, like, and the Tokyo Dome, obviously, because those two buildings are close to each other. But yeah, you could walk to his, Yano's bar in, like, five minutes, probably, from Corken. Maybe ten minutes, I don't know. But he could go display it there. He could display it in his house. Whatever he wants to do. That trophy's done. Now he gets a new tiny trophy because he is once again the provisional king of pro wrestling. He gets to defend this thing all year long. Frankly, I hope he just holds it forever. He should just... This should be the Yano Memorial KOPW. Like, when people were freaking out yesterday on the, on the fucking Rambo and like, oh, why do we have these four? It's like... Good! Keep everyone... Keep... I don't want Hiroki Goto fucking around the KOPW. Like, even now he should be above that. It's like, this fucking thing sucks. It's stupid as hell. No one even wants it. If it has to exist, it should be Bad Luck Folly doing a finger, or, uh, doing a finger poke of doom to change Owens. That, that should be the quality of this trophy. So yeah, of course this match sucked. Of course it didn't matter. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it was the only bad thing on the show. And uh, I don't know what to say. It fucking sucks. And it, uh, it's not going to go away, so... At least it's, you know, it's on Toriano and he'll do Toriano things. I mean, what else is there to say about it? Uh, Jeff, anything you want to say about the provisional KOPW 2021? Yeah, John, I'd like to thank you for having me on because I have fucking nothing to say about this. <laughs> okay. Good night, folks. Liam? Uh, uh, yes, I do have something to say about this. It's very poignant, and I hope you listen very carefully. It's, uh, you know, I'll keep it short and concise. Um, fuck Chase Owens. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, Man the, after my heart. That's it. Okay, uh, Chris, what do you have to say about this? Nothing. <laughs> J- uh, John, the big baby. Uh, El Fantasma is a good wrestler. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, no, you know what I do want to say though. I woke up this morning and I was thinking about uh, how the the end of the Rambo finished with uh, Yano winning before he even got to the ring. I just wanted to say that's a that's a good bit. Uh, that's my favorite moment in KOPW history. A <laughs> uh, uh, real highlight. Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't even know what happened in this match. I looked at it. I saw it. But, well, this uh, I so uh, that's the other thing. Like we were in the voice wrestling Slack. It was like me, a Joel Abraham from the Super J Cast, JoJo Remy who lives over in Japan. We were all talking about like our favorite Japanese ramen spots and like I uh, this uh, this match could have been fucking Masawa Kobashi for all I know because I I really did not pay any attention to it at all. So I don't I don't know anything about you know it was not <laughs> it was not okay <laughs> I didn't think this it was re- but... this match has revived my hatred for whites sorry Jay <laughs> but yes uh, I didn't I, I didn't start wait, 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 wait a minute hold on there's only one like never mind uh, I didn't star rate it because <laughs> I didn't actually watch it so there you go uh, there was two stardom opening matches which. We cannot watch because uh, Japanese TV networks can't get along. 
Uh, Utami Hashishida, Sami, uh, Saya Kamatani, and Azumi defeated Maika, Himika, and Natsupoi. Uh, Saya pinned Natsupoi in 948 with the Phoenix Flash. And then also Mayu Iwatani and T- Tom Nakano lost to Julia and Sayuri. Uh, Julia pinned Tom Nagano in 1249 with the Glorious Driver. Uh, I think Stardom will put them up. I think that's what happened last year, right? Anyone know? I feel like that did happen. Uh, I don't know. Someone could uh, answer in the chat or on the or on the show if they know. I just don't remember. I certainly feel like 2020 happened. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so Anwar, by the way, Anwar Starwind in the chat wanted to know what's next for Naito. I think he's going to take it easy for like the next three months or so. Uh, oh, okay. Velky says the match never went up, so I guess they never. I mean, he would know, so I guess we'll never. You'll never yeah. see those two matches, folks. I'm very. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, he wanted to know what's next for Naito. I think Naito's going to like just take a couple months where he's not doing much of anything. Honestly, I mean that's my prediction. Maybe he'll do like maybe he Bushi and. Uh, Horomu can go for the never six van titles or something like that man needs a rest like his knees yeah. are, his knees are made of rubber he had to carry an entire g1 block by himself and like he's gonna take a few months here but speaking of somebody being kept together with paper clips and painkillers and hairspray yeah Naito also fits <laughs> that description but yeah point. he's gonna he's gonna take a break and then i i mean if anyone thinks he's gonna Anyone thinks he's like never gonna be near the title again is in for a rude awakening because I know the, the NATO haters are probably hoping that and I've, I've already seen some of them say that but like no he would not go he would not go backstage and say he'll be back in the Tokyo Dome main event if he wasn't gonna be back in the Tokyo Dome main event you think people would learn their lesson with that when he said he was gonna uh, you know be the first double champion everybody was like oh maybe he's just going into business for himself or like all year long in 2019 people tried to pretend like oh Naito could just be talking da, 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 da. and it's like no he's he made that happen him and, Knight, him and Okada are still both under 40 they're gonna do that in the fucking dome again and draw a full house yeah like, Naito and Okada will be in Tokyo Dome event next year probably next year that's pretty much my prediction uh, but I guess we'll. But he, I think for the next few months he'll be, you know, taking a little bit of a back seat, and that's fine. I mean, you know, they cycle guys up and down. It's what they do. He's got to go uh, job to Kadani at Dominion. That's true, job to Kadani. Uh, okay, so let's wrap this up with some plugs. Uh, I'll start with you, Chris, because you probably had the most to plug. So go ahead. Uh, just sportofprowrestling.com. You can find all my statistical work and 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 uh, research pieces. Uh, other than that, Twitter, the Chris Samsa, T H E C H R S S A M S A. Yeah, I'll keep it succinct tonight. <laughs> uh, John, anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, my. my uh, sorry. I just... <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, John, plug. John would like uh, to plug his uh, Among uh, Us games where he. Uh, I, don't, I don't. I actually don't even remember what the fuck you do in those games. You I'm just, I'm just, just a baby, baby. You just kind of exist, yeah. And so I can't yeah. be. I can't be like uh, if you're if you're a Griffin, I'd be like where you lie like you're a sociopath. Yeah, yeah, Griffin knows uh, <laughs> <laughs> that. Piece of shit. <laughs> um, follow me on uh, Twitter if you want at uh, Fat Man's All Right. I do uh, I, I do voices of wrestling stuff. I do music stuff. I play in a band called Timeshares. I play for uh, songwriters named Maxwell Stern and Roger Harvey search all those things on music things and you'll 
<laughs> and you'll probably find me playing guitar somewhere. Uh, and it was very cool to be on with Chris, Liam, and Jeff. Thanks for having me. Uh, let's all go to bed. Liam, why do you got the plug? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Liam underscore D underscore McCann, where I talk about lots of things that are not pure, and I thirst over Jake Lee. Uh, and finally, Jeff, we want to plug. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff under, uh, underscore Andrews21. Uh, I am doing an article this month in uh, Monthly Pure Risu, so you can look out for that, and I occasionally write on VOW, so that's about it. All righty. Uh, of course, folks, you can follow us on Twitter at Russell Omakase, Wrestling with a Vet. Uh, I want to send a special shout out to everybody who listened uh, to this live. Uh, you know, thank you for getting up early with us, and I hope you enjoyed listening live. Uh, you, can, of course, the patrons got early access to this too. So, if we ever do anything like this again in the future, which we definitely will do for Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom again next year, uh, maybe we'll do it for some other bigger shows later this year too. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, you, you want to sign up at patreon.com slash wrestlingomikase for only $5, and that will get you access the next time we do anything like this. Uh, of course, to everything else we do on there, too. All the historical content, all the tournament coverage, all the stuff coming up in 2021. Uh, but yes, thank you for your support if you are a patron. Uh, thank you for listening, if you're just listening on the free feed. And we will see you next time.